welcome to the 322nd episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony. This is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, comic books, and a tiny bit of music. Big shout I totally messed up. I think I'm going to edit that. Um, Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash jmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I'm currently talking about John Byrne's X-Men to Hidden Years. So it's from like the year 2000. And uh, sometimes I talk about movies, sometimes I do random topics, etc., etc. Open to suggestions. If there's anything that you really want to hear me just go off and focus and concentrate on, that's what, what we could do there. So it just doesn't der- completely derail this podcast. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also c- um, <laughs> com- you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash heck, And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck so at least you know i don't just uh use the same opening each time i, I should but I, that i would never do that and uh i hope this is no indication how this entire episode is going to go what is going to be on this episode uh the movie feature is five nights at freddy's and um hmm i'll have to see about that because before i saw it there was, there was no like early reviews i don't think for it and um, it was like the day before, it was like 18% Rotten Tomato. I think it was 18%. Maybe it was a little higher. I was like, oh, no. I was like, but it's just critics. It's Five Nights at Freddy's. What, what did critics know about this? Maybe they, they, they just don't get it. I mean, you know, what's the audience? So we'll talk about that. Also, we have, um, there's nothing new, like nothing new to the, the, you know, the schedule. So we have, uh, actually, no, I, take that, I kind of take that back. So we're going to do Loki. We're going to do Chucky, the mid-season finale, which I think is weird. Uh, we're going to do a, a second episode of Rick and Morty. And then I did not realize that Doom Patrol had already started. Uh, yeah. So it, it started like a couple weeks ago. So I'm like way behind. I think now, as I record this, I think there's four episodes out because they did two the first week. I, I debated how much I was going to do this week. It's like, you know, should I try to do two, do two each week? But being realistic, one, because I, I feel it's too long because I'm way too long when I do the recaps. And I, I, I always debate, should I just do like super simple, just this was a good episode because this, this, this happened. But I, I just have a hard time moving away from that. If that's what you want, let me know if, 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 you know, you're feeling this podcast is too long and you'd like to condense it. You know, I would, would always get people like, no, the longer, the better. I don't, I, I don't know, because, I mean, I'm assuming that you, you, this isn't the only podcast you listen to. I, mean, I won't get offended by that. I, I mean, how much time, how much like, content do you need th- for the week? And, you know, is this too much? So, you know, I always wonder about that. I worry that, but, you know, I've always had people like, like oh, you know, you know, do it longer, four hours. <laughs> like, that, that's, that's a bit much. And there, it has creeped up that much, you know, that, that far. I'm only do, I'm only gonna do one episode of Doom Patrol. Uh, maybe I'll do you know we'll, we'll see. And because I know there's some other things coming you know in November, which is just next week, just just you know around around the corner. So we'll, we'll see about that. And I know I feel kind of bad about this. I know last week I said it's like oh 30 coins, 30 monedas. You know that's that's coming back on, on Max. You know it's an HBO original, and you know it, it, it should continue that. Ended up not watching it yet. I haven't seen it. And, and then I, I was like, well, maybe I'll, I will do like a super brief 
kind of like how I do the movies, you know, where I don't go boom, 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 boom. You know, I don't go every little thing. I just, I didn't get a chance to, to watch it. And if I'm being perfectly honest, I don't know how much interest there is on, on this, you know, and with this audience, have you watched 30 coins season one? It's a great show. I, I love it. And I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm just feeling, I'm just really bummed that I haven't watched it. So to, to let you know how that I'm, I'm not just like, you know, making excuses. If, if you know me, if, especially if you've <laughs> been on like my Instagram or my TikTok, I mean, I mean I'm a huge Blink-182 fan. They released like an, an hour and 15 minute interview and I still haven't had a chance to watch it because I just don't have any like real downtime. And it, it's, it, it's concerning. It's bothersome. But, you know, there, there's just so much other stuff to do. And, and a lot of it is, is trying to read all the comics and then, you know, trying to watch all the shows. And, and then, you know, of course, I got the day job. And that's going to be this week's show. <laughs> that's it. Thanks for listening. I'm just kidding. All right. Um, let's uh, speak. So speaking of music, I mean, maybe I'll just start with that. I don't know if, if I mean, I'm not going to start venturing more into music because I don't really cover a lot of music. I don't really li- I sh- I sh- what I should say. I don't really listen to a lot of music. My, 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 I don't listen to radio because unf- I live in San Francisco. You know, there's supposed to, wasn't there like so much roots, like music roots here? There's like no, nothing on the radio. And it's just trying to get reception. You know, it keeps going in and out. So I don't listen to the radio. What I do listen to when, I, when I'm not listening to audiobooks, I, I listen to, uh, I, I, use, I use Prime Music. I use Amazon Music. I don't use Spotify. As I use, um, no offense, but I, I just, I, I've been using Prime just because I have an Alexa and I have a Prime account, you know, so it's just like tied together. And yes, I know you can use Spotify and all that. So it's just, I, just what I've been using. Well, sometimes when, you know, you, so I don't know, I've, I'm, I'm assuming they're all similar. I'm assuming Spotify and Apple was all, all similar to this. But when you like a certain, you know, you like your songs and then, you know, you can kind of play the songs that you'll like, you know, it'll do like a playlist, like generated by songs, either that particular song or other songs from that artist. And then what they'll do, which I think is kind of smart and it's good for, for other bands where sometimes they'll sprinkle in like another artist that's similar to some of the other stuff that you've liked. So it's kind of learning, you know, whether it is an algorithm or something like that. It's like, okay, you know, you've listened to these types of bands. Maybe you'll like this too. And sometimes I'll be listening. I'm like, I'm like, what, what the fudge is this? And it's like, skip, pause, please. And I wish there was like a, please don't ever play this again. But every once in a while, there's some, I was like, wow, I really like this. And I'm like, dude, heart, like, you know, add this to the songs that I like. So what I just wanted to say, um, not, not, a, I'm not going to really go, go into deep about music, but um, I'm still on the Blink-182 high, uh, you know, just listening to album. I've been listening to pretty much nonstop. Uh, I got tickets. They're going, they're continuing to tour. So they, they just did a world tour, you know, they did the United States, they've been all over Europe and everything. They're continuing, you know, they're going to focus more on the album one more time because I haven't, I wasn't able to see any of those. I mean, they did, they did edging the one song that they released, you know, the end of last year. So it, it's great. They're going to, they're coming back to San Francisco. So I get to see them next summer. I'm not quite sure who I'm going with yet, but yeah, they have that. They also released two more songs. On that, and and it was, I was saying on Reddit, there's so many people that were upset. So they released two more songs digitally. Basically, you could buy the album digitally for five bucks. 
and you get these two extra songs. So there's a, a bunch of people are like, I already bought the album. I bought the album. I bought vinyl. And now they want five more dollars. They just want money. But it's like five dollars for two songs. I mean, I mean, yeah, you normally, if you buy a song, it's, it's a dollar, dollar twenty-nine, whatever you know, single song is. But I'll pay five bucks for two songs. And, and, and yeah, and here's the thing. I, I bought three vinyls and a CD. So I bought the album four times, and I'm buying it a fifth time. But it's it's five bucks. You know, you go to Starbucks, which I don't really. Um, you know, you can buy isn't it like five bucks for like a drink. So, and if it's a band that you really like, you know, why not support them? And they're like they don't need to support, and they're millionaires, and uh, it's just you know. Then you know what? Don't buy the songs. It's just, uh, it just seems silly. The other uh, music news is uh, Taylor Swift, 1989. Taylor's version is out with five new songs. So songs from the vault. And, you know, I, I do wonder about this. It's like, are they really from the vault? Or did she write them like last week and record them and put them out? Because I'm sure she could write a new song, a hit song, or, you know, a catchy song. I, I'm, I'm assuming the idea is that they were written back then, that she probably has a bunch of songs. And then maybe it just for whatever reason didn't make it. Or maybe she's like, okay, you know, we got 13 solid songs here. That That's fine. Maybe some of them were recorded and it just didn't, whatever didn't work or whatever. Or maybe just like, eh, not really feeling it. I don't know. Or, you know, I, I'm, I'm really curious, you know, what, how far, far they, they were. So they're, they're good. You know, they, I would say some of them really do feel like they're from that era. Is that you could fake that, you know, that could easily be done, but it does feel like that. Some of them feel a little more midnights ish and it could just be the way they're produced or whatever, just sounding, but, but it's, it's good. So uh, we're in a good, good place for music and there's a lot more vinyls coming out, which is um, not good for me, but let's get to the other news. Um, a bunch of Aquaman news. And I, I, I really want this movie to, to, to do well. I, I want it to be a good movie. So James Wan, you know, he, he talked about a bunch of stuff. Like he, he talked about the, the Ben Affleck cameo, like the reshoots and stuff like that. Cause you know, there's all this controversy and you know, why was it cut this or that, whatever. And he, it sounded like he basically said, they, they filmed some stuff with Ben Affleck because mainly they weren't really sure when it was coming out. You know, was it going to come out before The Flash or after? Because it kept, you know, so they just wanted to kind of have some things for continuity just in case. And I think they also may have filmed something with Michael Keaton just in case because I, I don't know if the idea was that Michael Keaton was going to be the Batman moving forward. I don't know if that was ever really a thing. And then, you know, the whole restructuring of the DC films and all that. I, I don't know, but they're really focusing more on like this is a standalone movie, so it doesn't matter. And you know, I was, I was talking about this recently, where it's it's just it's silly that a bunch of people are like like oh well you know they, they're redoing they're rebooting the universe, so why should I watch this movie if there's not going to continue? It's like why wouldn't you watch it if you like the first one? If you like Jason Momoa? If you like Aquaman? If you like DC? Why wouldn't you want to go see this? And not everything has to be connected to something else. You know, when when I saw saw Five Nights at Freddy, is there going to be a sequel to it? Maybe not. You know, maybe there is. Maybe you know, I, I'm sure they would love to have one. But I'm not going into it. And, and even when I saw it, it's like, oh, this has a low Rotten Tomato score. There's probably not going to be a sequel. I sh- may I should just get a refund on my ticket. I mean, I wouldn't do that. And like like the the creator, Gareth Edwards, he's like, I, I like, you know, single things. And I'm not even thinking about a sequel. And so I, I just say, I don't know. I, I think if you like the first one, why wouldn't you want to see the second one? 
and it it doesn't matter if because they you know there's always a possibility that you never know you know they might ask them to continue or do something probably not but you never know also you know stuff about like amber heard uh you know juan said that the, you know the, the reason that she wasn't really heavy in in the script and stuff like that because you know he 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 said like she wasn't really on his mind and what he meant by that is he planned the first movie it was supposed to be like like uh romancing the stone and the second one was supposed to be more like like a like a buddy you know whatever comedy because he like he wanted to do like tango and cash so there wasn't a lot of room for mara to be in the movie and it was nothing against her or anything like that so it just i don't know it just it, it seems like you know people just trying to bring up the the drama or trying to create drama i, I don't know and then about the reshoots you know, there's like, oh, there's so many reshoots in the set. And he's like, there's only like seven or eight days of reshoots. They were just, which is normal. Well, he's like, that's actually small for a movie of this size. But I guess the reason it felt like so much is because when you have all these different actors, you know, they, they basically the seven or eight days were just spread out because they had to wait until certain actors were available in order to, to do that. So like all movies have reshoots. You know, they film stuff, they edit, and then they're like, oh, wait someone's elbow was in the way here we don't have really good footage here this just doesn't look right or whatever blah 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 so it could be something like that doesn't mean like like oh wait this scene really blue we have to like do something we have to change this we have to fix it no that's not the case so it's just people again just trying to create drama over nothing but i guess that's what people do and oh and then the movie is does have a the, the release date is changing again not by much though it was supposed to come out on Wednesday, December 20th. They're moving it to the 23rd. So just a couple of days, three days, whatever. And the idea is probably because Wonka is coming out. You know, they want to put a little bit more space between the two so they can, you know, have their time at the box office, stuff like that. So that's fine. Remember that movie Samaritan that was on Prime with Sylvester Stallone? There's apparently a sequel in the works. I was like, okay. Um, I thought the first movie was okay. It, it was it was fine. You know, I, I didn't love it. I definitely didn't hate it. But okay, I mean, there's room for I could I could see how maybe where they could go. So it'll be interesting to see. Robert Kirkman mentioned he kind of gave a little update about the live action Invincible. He says that the movie's in the script development stage. So a lot of what they're really thinking is like. How could they make it feel? Because, you know, we got the comic. We got the animated series. So we'll do a live action. How can they do it so it feels different, so it feels new? You know, because they don't just want to do the same thing over. And that's basically what, what Brian Lee O'Malley, or, is that right, said about Scott Pilgrim. I mean, he didn't just want to do the same thing over again. Because he's like, you know, you want to read, you know, read, read the, the books. So you have, have that. Um, Venom 3 is... Most likely going to be delayed. I mean, that it, it shouldn't even be news. It's like everything is going to be delayed. Everything that was like in production to start a production, the actor strike is still going on. Supposedly, again, I thought I saw something. I didn't look in specifics, but supposedly maybe they're really close again. But the, I guess if um, the strike doesn't end in the next few weeks, that there's no way Venom Three will make the July twelfth, twenty twenty four release date. They were a couple weeks into filming. But when the strikes hit, so you know, a movie like that, like how much filming does it need? Because there's probably a lot, a lot of post production, so you know, there may not need a whole lot. I don't, I don't know. Jonathan Majors, 
I, I whatever his trial, his case date, whatever uh, his case is going to trial. It looks like you know they, they were denied a motion to dismiss it, so it's supposed to be on November 29th. You know, so he's accused of assault, and you know it, it's he's I think claiming the opposite or something like that because you know there was idea that he was dating someone and he assaulted her, and she her you know got bruised in the face, but wasn't there like taxicab footage like after and she was fine or something like that or wasn't she like seen going to a club I, I i don't know and it's just it's all about the the he said she said so we'll see and there's also you know some people working on loki they're like there was no i mean he was fine on set there's never any any issue at all everything was good i i would just i would like to hope that he's a good person you know, i hope everyone's a good person but you know why would someone make these accusations if they're not true you know i don't know so hopefully everything works out daredevil reborn so i guess the uh, i missed who who wrote it i didn't get a chance to click it uh the writer for the punisher is going to be the new showrunner and they're also um getting some of the loki directors to work on it so that that's good uh i mean i don't know exactly where it was before but you know, it looks like they're they're moving forward. We're you know we're getting closer and and all that. Um, some, it's switch to comics for a bit. I Zombie. So remember that 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 um, show. Comic was by drawn by Mike Allred. Who wrote I Zombie? I'm totally forgetting. Was it Chris? Chris? Oh, who was it? Chris Robertson. Uh, I I should I should, I should pause and look it up, but I don't want to. I feel like that's just this. In disgenuine, disgenuine, disingenuine, whatever. I feel like it's it's fake. <laughs> I can't even think what I what I, I can't even think of words to say. <laughs> Anyways, uh, if you, I mean, the, the comic was great. Uh, you know, Mike Allred and Laura Allred's colors. Oh my goodness, I just I just go on and on about that. Uh, that was a vertical comic though, and it's probably out of print now. So, but they are releasing it through Black Label, which is awesome. So you'll be able to get the complete series. So it'll be a new omnibus with that. And I actually have the omnibus for that because that's how much I like Mike Allred's art. So you should definitely check that out. It's, it's weird and wacky, and it's just it's, it's a lot of fun. Ultimate Spider-Man. So, you know, I mentioned how I've been kind of on the fence with this. I'm, you know, my main thing was like, why? You know, why are we doing this? Why are we going back to Ultimate Universe? Uh, and, you know, I... I have deep respect i've said for jonathan hickman you know marco Cicchetto's art is, is always amazing they kind of dropped the bombshell on us so what's going to make this a little different is peter and mary jane watson are married and they're not only married but they have kids so from what little i read of, of the news release it kind of sounds like peter became spider-man later in life so you know he wasn't necessarily like a 15 year old kid getting turning you know into a superhero so he's, I don't know if he had the family already then gets turned into, I mean, because then it makes you wonder, it's like, well, how did other things happen? You know, was there no, you know, death of Gwen Stacy and, you know, this and that and everything. So I'm really curious now to see how that changes everything and, and where that's going to go. So that's coming out uh, January 4th. I don't know if that's the right date, but it's it's in January. I, I feel like it's earlier in January than later. It's not the 24th. I feel, I feel like there's a four in there. I could be wrong. Um, there's a rumor that the fourth Spider-Man, speaking of Spider-Man, the fourth Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland and Zendaya and all that will have a late 2024 production start. 
So we'll see. I mean, hopefully the writer strike will be, you know, resolved by then, but who knows? And then the last bit of news, not really news, but I guess there's like, you know, how come Tom Cruise never played Iron Man? And I thought this was more like a Doctor Strange thing, but I guess it was before back when 20th Century Fox owned the rights is you know, Kevin Feige's like uh, Tom Cruise, his asking price was, was too much. You know, he wanted too much money. And then it went to Robert Downey Jr. And uh, that was history. <laughs> and so it all worked out for the best, I guess. And um, I got no good segue. That was the best news for the week. And that's blah, blah, blah. Let's move on. All right, let's see. I always I lose track of like how well I did with comics. And it's like I'm testing my or I'm grading myself. It's like, did I read everything? And the answer is no, I didn't. Uh, but I, I think I did okay. We'll, we'll see. Uh, let's see. At Image Comics, we had, um, so from what I read, oh, Edenwood. I want to skip that. Edenwood number one. So this is uh, Tony Daniel. I really like this. It's written and drawn by him. I feel bad because I wanted to tweet about it, even though my I don't use Twitter or I don't use X um, anymore. But this is a, I don't even know how to describe this. It's, uh, there's like, a, there's like kind of, I don't think it's necessarily witches, but there's some sort of magical stuff. There's like this big war going on. And, you know, it starts off with like these kids and they're by these woods and, you know, the woods are kind of like touchy territory. I sat now. I just I don't I don't want to say too much and spoil things, but um, Tony Daniels' art is just just amazing, and I I just I I love you can see him just like putting his energy and just just really you know he's not like rushing through it and like half-assing it. I mean he's he's doing such a good job and and just like the character designs and uh, and you know you, you got to you know remember you know he is a writer. He's not just an artist and not that not anyone being just an artist isn't a bad thing I, that sounded probably way worse than it should have but you know he, he's written stuff before because he did deathstroke for a while and i'm trying to think what else he did but i, I really enjoyed this comic. i'm really intrigued i'm really fascinated like where is this going to go so I, I i definitely i definitely definitely recommend edenwood you should uh check that out it's just such such good art i hate fairyland number 10 so gertrude is you know so trying to figure out how to escape fairyland and, you know, she realized that Duncan, the kid, kind of dressed as a dinosaur where he's older now, he never used his key because, you know, each kid gets a key to escape fairyland. And, you know, it turns out that Duncan was never told that there was a key. He had no idea. So Gertrude's like, well, hey, you know, we could both leave with your key type of thing. So then uh, she decides she's going to talk to Cl- Cloud. Is that her name? Claudia? She's like a cloud, whatever. But she's in a prison, so Gertrude has to go to prison to get to her. And, uh, you know, if you can figure out how she's going to get to prison in that. But uh, then there's an uh, interesting, like, kind of cliffhanger ending. It's like, what, what does this mean? Where's this going to go? So I'm, I'm enjoying that. Captara Universal Truce number three. I didn't read that. I, I wanted to read that. I, I don't think I read number two yet. So I need, I need to check that out. Newburn. So I've been in, enjoying this series. I started reading this issue twelve, but I didn't. I ran out of time. Uh, that that's always interesting. And you know what? It's, if you've been listening to this podcast and you've been paying attention during the comic section, you know what Newburn is because I I feel like every single time there's an issue, I describe like the whole like premise of it. So it's it's good, but <laughs> I didn't get to it. Radiant Black, twenty six A, twenty six B. There's two versions of this. 
which is crazy because when 25 came out, so basically, you know, there's been these two guys have been having the powers of radiant black and issue 25 was kind of like, well, okay, there has, someone has to commit or not in I mean, they both want to do it. It has to be someone who's going to do it. And the issue, I forget which, if I read an A or B, because I think there's two different versions. I didn't realize there's two different versions. So I just read one. I was like, oh, wow, that's it. Okay. So-and-so, this person is going to be radiant black. But it turns out, no, they both, there's two different endings. And so now with the comic, there's two different versions of issue 26. So you would think, okay, we can just change a couple things, change some dialogue, change some angles. But no, they re they're completely different. They start out very, very parallel, like in the beginning. It's almost like the same scenes, but some of the dialogue is, some of the dialogue is the same. But then some of the things are a slight difference. But then it's, it starts to venture off a little bit. Then it ventures off pr pretty pretty big. It gets to the point where there's like a huge, um, pretty big difference between the two, which is, is, so basically you got these parallel worlds now. You got two different outcomes going on. And it's like, how are they going to come back together? Like, what the heck does this mean? What is going on is, is what it comes down to. So um, I think that's, that's pretty brilliant. And it's, it's, you know, two different artists. So it's not like just, you know, using the same art twice and then tweaking it a little bit changing a word balloon like no it's it's two different completely artists and uh it's it's interesting because then you can see how like the same characters are drawn a little differently because you know it's interpretation and all that so that's um that's it's just it's kind of crazy and you know kyle higgins you know go kyle higgins because that's that's pretty 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 ballsy uh, i i think the dude you're reading this issue you gotta buy two now and that, that's the fact that, but he's got a right to, and he's got to make sure two issues get produced every month. And it's just, it's kind of crazy. And I, I, I'm impressed by that. The Schlub issue three, I, I didn't completely read this. I started reading this. Um, my, my, my thing with, with this is, because uh, he's, he's not a super likable character. So it's hard for me to get into it. You know, you got this this really kind of, not really a scumbag, but this, this kind of questionable guy changes bodies with a superhero and you know this freaky friday type of thing but um yeah so it, it's there's some dangerous aspects of this you know there's other threats and like what's this guy going to do you know he's not doing his job or whatever so i do i do plan on reading that i need to you know finish that then there's universal monsters dracula number one um which is uh by james tynan the fourth and the art is by Martin Simmons. So that may sound familiar. That's a creative team from Department of Truth. You know, and uh, I, I kind of was skimming through the end where James was saying that, you know, they, they kind of want a little break from Department of Truth and, and they're doing this. And he's like, you know, this isn't creator own. This is, you know, based off the you know, universal whatever Dracula story. And you have Renfield in here and all that. But it's got that, you know, uh, Martin Simmons art is kind of has a, such a vibe to it. So it kind of creates this whole thing. So um, it, it's definitely interesting to see how the story that we kind of know and how it's it's kind of interpreted a little differently. And uh, so I, I recommend that. Uh, then Avoid Rivals issue five. Man, I, I keep, I'm, I'm somehow behind on that. I don't even know what the last issue I, I read was. Um, and what's the furthest place from here? Issue 15. So this, we kind of get some, some more answer. We see some more people. But there's like a lot, you know, going on. It's, it's, um. I, I really applaud this issue because it's just, you know, this, this whole world that was created and it's like, what's going on and where, where it's happening and 
um, you know, just bringing some of the characters back together. And um, I, I'm just enjoying this. And Tyler, is it Tyler Boss? The art is just, just really, really cool. So I, I recommend that. If you haven't read any of those, man, you are in luck. What's the furthest place from here? Go, go get the trade, start reading it. It's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. At Marvel, we have Alpha Flight issue three. And so here's the thing. I'm trying to remember, because you look at that cover, and I love the cover because it's like an homage. You know, we've seen this a lot of times where there's someone standing like right in front of the camera, and there's a bunch of people like off to the side, and they're like surprised. So the cover is Nemesis Revealed. And I'm kind of familiar with Nemesis. So my big thing is, you know, I was like, did we never know who Nemesis was? Was it never revealed? Was there, is this a different Nemesis? It's like, like what, what's, uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of confused and I haven't looked up any like wiki stuff or anything like that. So I'm really curious. I, I should now, now that I think about that, but I, I'm kind of curious. So the, um, the revelation is, is pretty shocking. And it, when I look at that, I'm like, what the heck is going on? What, what does this mean? How is this possible? So that's all I'm going to say. Hint. I don't want to hint anymore about the identity of, of that. Because when I was thinking about this, because I you know, always seeing the issue. Okay, I am saying more than I, I just said I was, wasn't going to say. But when you look at that, you know, Nemesis Revealed, to me, my, my instinct is like, okay, if, there's, if you're going to make this big deal about this revelation, it better be someone I know, someone I reckon, like a character I know. But I was like, how can that be? I, I mean, is it, it's like, how many Alpha Flight characters? Like, it's not going to be like, oh, wait, look, it's Wolverine, <laughs> even though Nemesis is a woman. What? And by Wolverine, I mean Logan. <laughs> I should just pick someone else. Um, but then the other, the main part of, of the comic is the whole... Orcus, oh, I just can't stand this whole thing, how mutants are being hunted, and they have no rights, and ship them off to Mars, and uh, all because this corporation is kind of guiding this hatred against, and I just think the whole thing, you know, they're, they're saying, oh, mutants have done some bad things, so they're all evil. It's like, no, this is the same thing that's happening in Wonder Woman, which I'll talk about in just a few minutes. But it's that the idea of, you know, a few individuals or whatever did something bad, so the entire species or race or whatever you want to say it should be held accountable that's just ridiculous it's like saying if an american went to scotland did something really bad then all americans are banned from scotland regardless you know if you're married to someone and you're living there or whatever it's just you shouldn't hold entire whatever accountable for one person it's just it just seems stupid uh, Amazing Spider-Man 38. Uh, this, I, I did not care for this one. I don't like this, um, what's his name? Wreck Rap. So he's like the limbo version, backwards version of Spider-Man. And he's supposed to be like this big, you know, whatever, kind of hulking, dumb creature that's, that's a backwards version of Spider-Man. I, I don't, I don't know. And he's being chased by like, backwards version of like Sinister Six and stuff like that and it's just but there is some stuff with like Silvermane and Hammerhead which I you know I, I kind of find it interesting but this wreck rap it's like I, I got to the end of the issue I'm just like oh, man I was, I, was, I, was, I was a little a little mad a little upset not mad Captain America issue 2 oh look Spider-Man's on the cover Spider-Man's hardly in this issue <laughs> that made me mad 
I'm like, what's going on? I, I did. This is a good issue, though. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by the idea, like, what's going on here? I mean, when, when I was like, what is this comic about? You know, it's like going into the history of Captain America and, and you're seeing some parallels with the past and the, and the present. And, but it's, it's good. Uh, and I, the idea of Captain America buying the building that he grew up in so people, it wouldn't get demolished or whatever and you know, everyone gets kicked out. So I, I, I kind of, it kind of makes sense. I think it's kind of risky if everyone knows that, like, oh, Captain America owns this building because he, he doesn't have a secret identity. So uh, it, it's, it's enjoyable and seeing, like, some of the parallels. And there's, like, stuff going on with AIM and, and everything. And so I, I like that. Captain Marvel number one. So this is by Alyssa Wong and Jan. Uh, Jan, I can't read that. Um I don't know how you feel about this. I mean, I really like the character. I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but there's this uh, high-tech thief. She's trying to steal negabands from Genesis. She, you know, she goes, and she, I don't know if she's in Rick Jones' apartment because, you know, there's a picture of Rick Jones and Marlo on the wall. And there's this this new villain who Captain Marvel was, was tangling with who can siphon her power. She seems, like, way amped up for a villain. It's like... I, I don't remember her name now. It's like, is this a totally new villain? And it's like, she has, she can basically, you know, she's, Captain Marvel's blasting at her. She's absorbing it all. Like, it's nothing. So it just feels like this is kind of a big risk, dangerous threat, whatever. Anyways, what ends up happening is this thief ends up bonding with a negabands for reasons. And somehow that ties her and Carol together. So now when the thief, and I, sh- I don't know, she's more than just a thief, but when she's like here, Captain Marvel's in a negative zone. And it's like, wait, that, I don't, I don't like that. Uh, Dark X-Men, I, wait, I'm trying to get this, and I was getting mixed up with one of the other issues. This was, mm, this was okay. Um, I, do, I do find this interesting. Because the angel has been killed and kind of resurrected, and he's like evil. So Gambit kind of you know confronts him. That that was interesting. So this was this was yeah. I I didn't love that issue. Uh, <laughs> Hollow's Eve number one, the big night. Why is Hollow's Eve still getting comics? And so this is Janice. Is her name Janice? She's dating Ben Riley, Chasm. And she got these powers from, I'm pretty sure it's Madeline Pryor, right? And she's got this bag of, like, cheap Halloween masks, but the masks give different superpowers. And I don't know if it's, like, it's an infinite infinity bag, because, you know, she's been using a lot of the same powers. You know, she used, like, a witch mask, and she has powers of witch. She used, like, a Dracula a vampire mask, and she can fly and, you know, whatever. But then she reaches in and she gets like a Captain America mask. So she kind of becomes like a Captain America, like a hero. It's like, wait, how many masks are, are in this, this bag? So, uh, I don't know. And it was weird because this is just like a one shot. And it's like, <laughs> so it's like, why, 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 what's the agenda? Why, why are we pushing Hollow's Eve so much? I mean, it's okay. I mean, I, it's, I, I can, I, I read it. You know, it's, it's not so bad that I'm saying, no, I'm not going to read that. But, I'm just, I'm so, I don't understand, but I, and I don't understand why I keep reading it if I'm, whatever. Immortal Thor, I haven't been reading that. Um, this is only issue three, so I don't know what's going on. Jean Grey, this, I'm, I'm really kind of confused what's going on here. I, I don't know about the series. So Jean Grey died 
during the fall of X, but she's not really dead, right? And then, so it's like, wait, she's back, but then she's like reliving the past, but then she's going down this totally different route. It's like, what's going on? And in this issue, it felt more about Madeline, because, you know, there's a lot of like Jean versus Madeline, and then like the stuff that Madeline went through, and this is like Inferno stuff. I'm, I'm not really sure or like what's going on. Marvel Zombies, uh, Black, White, and Blood. This was, this was okay. Um, I, I feel like there's nothing like long-lasting impact or, or anything. Um, the, 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 I mean, there's Garth Ennis and Rachel Scott do the first story, so you, you know you, you you have that. That was like a Daredevil story, and I I just thought that was okay. The Spider-Man one is by Alex Segura, who, who I he's a super cool guy, super nice guy. Um, and Javi Fernandez does art. This is like a Spider-Man one. This this is kind of like a heavy story, so I, I really like that. And then Deliverance, Ashley Allen and Justin Mason. That was like a Moon Knight story, and I thought that was okay because I'm super picky and I have high standards for Moon Knight. So it was all right. Uh, like, would I get the next issue? I don't really don't know. Uh, Ms. Marvel, The New Mutant, issue three. Uh, it's continuing more of the story. You know, Ms. Marvel is trying to figure out what's going on. She's at this, like, academy thing, the summer whatever thing. Um, that's trying to infiltrate Orcus to get you know, information for the X-Men. But they know that uh, Ms. Marvel is on campus, so they're trying to track her down. And they found a way, like, they can manipulate her through dreams. They can, you know, they, they put some tracking thing on Ms. Marvel, like a, a drone did or something like that, which I think is kind of silly. But her identity might get get revealed. What? And there's some other cool things here. So I I, I did enjoy that. Um, Predator versus Wolverine. I kind of just flipped through this, and the, my main thing is if yeah, I mean, you look at the cover. This is what is it? Team X. I, I, I'm getting my teams confused. So this is when it was Wolverine and Sabretooth and Maverick. Um, I don't really care for those stories of that era, and they're fighting a predator. It's like okay, that's fine. Realm of X. I didn't. I should read this. I did not read this because uh, I'm not super crazy about it. Dr. Afro didn't read Dark Droids D-Squad. <laughs> I didn't read that. Uncanny Avengers was good. This is issue three. And I, I like Captain America. Does, you know, there, there's some cool stuff with Captain America because you know, everyone hates mutants. So, of course, you know, he's, he wants to try to do something about that. Um, Monet and Quicksilver have a run-in with uh, the, the Struckers, Andrea and uh, what's the dude's name? Andreas, Andreas and Andrea, Strucker. Is it Strucker or Von Strucker? I think it's just Strucker. But so this this was good. I I really liked like that. And uh, Uncanny Spider Man. You know now I'm wondering this. Like did I did I finish reading this issue? Um, but I will say I don't know if it's a spoiler. Is Dagger appears in here? I think I finished it. It's it just I, I feel like they're you know they're, we don't have all the information so it's like why is Nightcrawler posing as like a Spider Man you know he's he's in a Spider Man ish costume even though he has his tail and you can see his feet and toes and you can see somehow see his pointy ears through the mask and yeah it's just like what what's going on what's he what's he doing and then there's a X Men Days of Future Past Doomsday issue four I don't remember if I read issue three or if it was issue I think I read one and two. But I, I need to get caught up on that, too, because I, I do. I mean, I'm enjoying that because it's, you know, expanding on things. At DC, we had Wonder Woman number two. 
it's, it's hard to say how I, I'm not really, and it's not, the reason it's hard to say how, how I feel about it is because I don't really know how I feel about it. There's some cool moments, but there's also some, it's like, I don't know if it's like overly cliche. So as I mentioned before, there was an Amazon, or I didn't really mention the specifics, but there was an Amazon that went into like a, was it in like a Florida bar or something like that? And some dudes like, you know, they're basically being sexist and whatever. And like, you know, kind of like a pat on the butt or, you know, whatever stuff, like totally inappropriate. And the she ends up like killing everyone in the bar, like all, all the dudes, all, you know, the biker gangs, whatever. And because of the slaughter, it somehow came out she was an Amazon. So now it's like all Amazons need to be kicked out and booted out and, you know, use extreme violence if necessary. And we have weapons that can kill Amazons. And it's, it's just so extreme that it just suddenly does that. And here a lot of the focus is this issue is, uh, oh, we have, so we have, was it Sergeant Steele? I don't know, is he a, I feel like he should be more than a sergeant. But he is totally a mis- misogynist, and he's just totally talking down. Because they get Steve Trevor to, to try to talk reason to Wonder Woman. Because, you know, they have, like, an army. They're about to attack her, whatever. And so Steele sends Trevor to talk to her, and, you know, they realize what's up. But he, then when she's like, she's like, sorry, dude. He goes back, Trevor, Steve goes back, and he's like, oh, you couldn't control your girl and, you know, all this stuff. He's just so insulting and demeaning. So they start attacking Wonder Woman, and it's it's pretty glorious to see Wonder Woman kicking, like, this army's butt. But it's just, like, what what, what is going on? Um, Green, or Alan Scott, the Green Lantern. This this was okay. Um, this was good. The only reason what I'm, what I'm rooting for this book is, so there's a lot... We, we get like some backstory on, on Alan Scott and, you know, we are seeing to focus on, you know, he was homosexual in the forties, you know, when he was in the army, whatever, had to like hide it, you know, because it wasn't appropriate. It was illegal. It was a sin or whatever. And you, you see a lot of that, but apparently there's a lot of backlash, even though the idea of Alan Scott being gay, this has been since 2000. 11 2012 i mean since you know earth 2 when when they you know and the new 52 i don't remember when exactly they did that so i guess the writer is like donating his like salary or part of it whatever to like you know different funds because just people are just they're just bigots or isn't that really bigotry they're just hypocrites i don't know it's to it. But the, I mean, the story was fine. I mean, I'm not the biggest Alan Scott fan, but it was interesting to see, you know, things go back. And, and you know, obviously, I think they're padding some of the past or changing. I don't know. But it, it, was, it was a good issue. Um, Action Comics 1058. So this is continuing with this organization. I'm still not clear how. So they must know that Clark Kent is Superman because, you know, this. Um, leader of this cult which they're not calling themselves a cult you know they they she agrees to do an interview with the daily planet but she wants clark to do the interview and then as they're leaving like her bodyguard dude kind of threatens or does something makes a move against clark and then somehow absorbs his powers or does something and they fight so it's like uh, i don't know um batman catwoman uh so gotham war stuff jason todd stuff and uh, we it's it's weird because you know Jason Todd is kind of the focus a lot, but it, it backs up a little bit. You know, we see Jason Todd before Batman made this drastic, 
move against him. And I, I just, I feel like by the time it ended, we're almost like back to you know, where, where we were. So it's like, this didn't really change anything. I don't know. Um, the Flash issue two. Uh, I like Mike Diodato's art. Um, I, I was reading this and uh, then I started skimming, which isn't a good thing. And, and you know, I'm trying to, so then it gets to point because I was skimming, then it's like, wait, what is this? What, what's, what's actually happening here? And a part of me is like, eh, you know, I don't know if I really care what's happening. So I don't know, it's just, it's, it's kind of weird. Uh, then we have Green Arrow issue five. And the main thing here is Green Arrow's been kind of going through time. And, you know, he was told, it ended up being told by like a older version of him that you can't be with your family. You can't be with Roy and Dinah and uh, Roy's kid and, you know, all this stuff. And it gets to the point where there's like all these different versions of, of Green Arrow. And, and you, know, you look at the cover and it's kind of interesting. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not really sure where this series is going. It, it's, it's weird. It's interesting. We'll see. Uh, Detective Comics. I just I haven't been reading this the series, and uh, I I don't know if it's still the same story. It was like a part two, but I think it might be continuing. I don't know. Tales of the Titans, uh, Beast Boy. I didn't read that. That's issue four. Um, Batman: The Brave and the Bold. That's the anthology Batman book. So I, I didn't check that out. Power Girl issue two. This was was okay. This was it was fine. Uh, it, I don't know how I feel about one. I don't know how I feel about Power Girl getting a new secret identity. She's no longer Karen Karen Star. So now she's Paige something, and then she's working at the Daily Planet. And it's just weird how I what I don't like is and it was I, I think it was in maybe it was in the first issue. It's just like how Superman treats her. He's like she's such a dick to her. It's like, you know, come on, man. You know, she's already has all these self-esteem or self-doubt, whatever, and you're just being such a jerk. And, you know, Lois is kind of being hard. And, you know, Lois talks to her, it's like, oh, he just has high standards to, you know, those that, that are, you know, that he really cares about that are close to him. But it's like, that doesn't excuse it. So, I don't know. Penguin issue three, I didn't read two. You know, it was, the first series was, or the first issue was good. It was fine. Um, I didn't love it, and mainly it's because I don't love the Penguin. But I, I, I would read it. I, I am kind of curious. It's just it was a time thing. Um, Unstoppable Dooms, Doom Patrol, <laughs> issue seven. I think this is the last issue because it kind of ends and like Doom Patrol will return. But I, uh, I there's a lot that I like. I mean, I, it, I like the weird and wacky and the use of the characters and stuff like that. But there's just. Almost like some of the characters, like, wait, what are you, where is this going and what's happening? And so, yeah, uh, I don't know. But I, I like when Chris Burnham is, is drawing. Um, Amazon's Attack Number One. I meant to read, read this because I think this came out, right? Um, but I didn't read that. So that's continuing with the, the stuff that's going on in Wonder Woman, which I think is just ridiculous. I didn't read Steelworks. I, I'm not super loving that. I don't know. I should give it another shot. Um, and then. Uh, Star Girl Lost Children came out in trade paperback. You should definitely be reading that. And with that, I'm kind of trying to go a little, little faster. That is going to be news for the week. Okay, and now we're going to try this again. Doom Patrol. <laughs> so, and what I mean by try this again is 
uh, as I'm getting ready to like edit everything, I'm, I'm looking because sometimes I'll, I'll like I'll pause, you know, as a recording or I might even stop the recording and, and then, you know, grab something to eat, get a drink or something like that or just whatever. So as I'm, I'm listening to different sound, you know, and I just piece together all the sound, you know, the files or whatever. This uh, the file that had Doom Patrol and Rick and Morty zero kilobytes. It's, it's like nothing. Ha- I don't know what happened. And uh, so, yeah, I get to do this over again. <laughs> so thank goodness I have time. Oh, man. So uh, Doom Patrol, I, I don't even remember what I, what I said earlier, is I didn't realize it was back. I, that, that's crazy. I don't understand how, how that's possible. Because, you know, I've been watching other shows on Max, and usually, you know, I, I, actually, I don't even remember now if it's saved, if it shows, you know, continue. I, I think... Because, I mean, if it started in January, how long has Max been out? Because I'm trying to remember if I actually... Last time I watched Doom Patrol, was it on a Max or was it on HBO Max? I, I feel like it was Max. I think it did save that I watched, you know, episode six was the last one I watched. But it's like, every, you know, every time you you log on to Max or whatever, it should show It shows you, like, what's the new show or what's coming, you know, all that. And there was, like, nothing. So this is... I think there's four episodes out now. Now, I also debated about... Uh, how many could I do? It's like, oh, maybe I can do two or something, you know, try to catch up. But I think I'm just going to do one and just, uh, we'll be late. And, and, you know, maybe next week or something like that. I don't know if I'll be able to do two episodes, you know, it just depends on time and everything like that. I also feel just doing more than one episode a week. I, I, sometimes I feel like that's too much. It just makes a big chunk of the episode. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll just do this. We'll, we'll just do one episode of this and, um, see how this goes so hopefully you remember because i think the last episode six was back in january of 2023 uh so 407 is orc with patrol it starts off at the bat ant farm um intruder alarm is going off and you know we see the drawing of wally i think or was it wally maybe it wasn't wally that was killed i forget so rita and madame rouge went there and Rita, like, she got upset and everything. And she lost uh, composition or whatever. Her body just, she just got really big. And she, I think she ended up, like, smooshing him, like, in his, his little cell. So Rita's staring at, at the drunk. I, I think this guy, Wally, killed the guy that she was in. I don't remember how it was, like, stuff in the past. So, so Rouge is like, is like, oh, you have to help me, you know, gather what, you know, this twat scribbling so we can skedaddle. And Rita's just, like, frozen. And then she says that, you know, Rouge is like, you know, I, I get that you're having a dissociative episode right now, but would you please reassociate your, and, you know, fudging help me. Intercom's like calling for like death squad to report to cell block D. So then Rita finds like, you know, maybe we should. And Rouge is like, yeah, we should, you know, like how? <laughs> and then in the hall, so Madame Rouge, you know, because she can change her shape or whatever like that. So she changed into like a rolling suitcase and I guess Rita's inside. So just kind of rolling down, down the hall you know, whatever. The desk squad, I think, is just around the corner. And one guy, like, guy in the front just, like, salutes. He's like, Colonel Samsonite. <laughs> so is this, like, a normal thing? And then, you know, the, the suitcase just goes. They keep walking. And, you know, the suitcase continues rolling. There's other dude at the end. He, like, opens the door, like, salutes. So then at Orkwith, uh, this sort of other dimension place, Jane, Cliff, Vic, and Derek are being taken by the scissor people. And so they have like big giant, almost like hedge clippers for hands, but they're big scissors. And the, the scissors are like around her necks, like, you know, guiding them along. Jane sarcastically says to Cliff, she's like, so how's that plan coming along, Clifford? And he's like, got him right where I want him. Then Vic asks, he's like, what are you guys even doing here? And Jane's like, how about a thanks for coming to help your captured asses? 
and Clifford's like, technically, we only came back to get Jane's longevity back, but we probably would have tried to help you if there was time. Then Vic's like, right, sorry, thanks for the help. Uh, when did you plan on starting, by the way, you know, with the helping? Just want to make sure you know, I don't miss it. They arrive at their cell, and Derek's like, you know, he's like, oh, well, we're stuck in here now. And he's like, you know, maybe instead of picking at each other, we can try, you know, to be more solution-oriented. Who's got ideas? And Jane's like, are you telling us how to do superhero poop, you fudging Boy Scout? And Vic's, you know, or not Vic, Cliff is like, don't fudge with our process. And, and she's like, yeah. And then Derek looks at Vic. He's like, welcome to my world. So Derek reaches in pocket. So he still has that, like, magic paper. He's like, hey, uh, but let me know when you want a problem solved because I have an idea. And Cliff scoffs. He's like, you know, WTF is that? And so he's like, you know, made a drawing. He's like, a rock. And he puts the pen down on the paper. The green kind of smoke poofs out of it. And then a big rock falls, whoosh, smashes the scissor guards like outside the cell door. He's like, booyah, rocks beat scissors, mother truckers. And, and then Jane's like, not bad for Norm. And Cliff's like, told you, I had them right where I wanted them. And he kicks the cell door open. And she's like, let's go get my, my whatever longevity. Vic's like, what about Larry? And she's like, oh, right. Derek's like, hey, we'll, we'll get him. And Cliff's like, sweet, smell you fools later. And they split up. Back at the mansion, Rouge, which is weird because the closed caption is now calling her Laura. Because I think that was like her under alias, like Laura DeMille. But I'm, I'm still calling her Rouge. So I may accidentally call her Laura, but it, it's just weird that they're calling her Laura now. Um, so she says her, her insides feel weird. And she's like, did you move anything around when you were inside me? And Rita's just like staring at a picture of, I guess, her, her dead lover or whatever. And Rouge is like, we don't know that he's dead. And she's like, we don't know that he's not. So I don't know if they're talking about Wally. I don't remember. I think she's talking about, I don't know. Because they needed Wally to, to get to this other place, I think. So Rouge starts going about, on about, it's like, well, when you kill a fly, she's like, what do you see? Usually some white goo, a broken leg, a crumpled wing that never will, you know, will fly again, whatever. And Rita's just like staring at disbelief. And Rouge is like, well, my point is that if you did kill him, he would have left some something disgusting behind, like blood or feces or droplets of urine sort of thing. And, and Rita's just like kind of like appalled. And she's like, you mean like this? And she turns around, and there's like a big green smudge on the back of her overcoat. And Rouge mouths, she's like, then she's like, uh, you know, we, we should just focus on something else. Like this mountain of papers that we brought back. Maybe there's something in here that will tell us about this Immortus fellow. And Rita says that they may have more immediate fish to fillet. So she hands Rouge a note. It says, gone to Orkwith for Jay's longevity and rescue Larry if there's time. And Rita says that, you know, Larry's longevity is, is gone. And Rouge is like, well, we don't know that. And Rita's like, trust, trust me. And, you know, Cliff's officially the last longevital man of standing. And Rouge says that, that he just marched his metal feet, metal tookus, tookus? How do you spell tookus? Tookus. That's such a weird word. Into like the lion's den. So they should go after him. But the note doesn't say how they got there. And it's like, it's a stupid note. It's like, back to plan A. Look through Wally's papers to see if there's a map or something. And Rita's like, best of luck to you. And she just walks out of the room. So Cliff and, and Jane... They're like, you know, WTF, is, does her longevity even look like? You know, Cliff is asking that. And she's like, fudge if I know. And he's like, what do you remember? And she's like, purple. And he's like, that's it? She's like, I was a fudging baby. Because remember, they got turned into babies by the, the rabbit or whatever, the magic rabbit. <laughs> then they, they come by the stone structure and there's like a cage with like purple lights inside. And Cliff's like, oh, poop. 
And she's like, and there it is. He's like, how the fudge are we going to get past these beauty school dropouts? Because there's more scissor guards there. And then he's like, and how do they dress themselves or pee? So Jane gets an idea. She comes at in into the, this like chamber room with Cliff's brain exposed, and she's holding like some like stick or something sharp, like threatening to fudge the Tin Man's longevity into Kingdom Come. So Wally's there, so he's not dead. He's like wearing a robe. He's like, no need for that, friends. And Cliff's like, WTF? He's like, you again? And he's like, I have something to offer you, Mister Steel. A world of possibilities. WTF is that supposed to mean? It doesn't. And Jane's like, it doesn't matter. We're not interested. And Cliff's like, yeah. So Jane's like, so you can fudge yourself into oblivion. And Cliff's like, fudge, yeah. And he's like, is that true, Cliff? Are you not interested in seeing the limitless potential or potentialities that Immortus has to offer, offer you? A future, Cliff, which I understand you don't have much of at the moment because he has, uh, doesn't he have Parkinson's or something? So Jane's like, he's not interested. Tell him, Cliff. He's like, er, Cliff. I mean, we could just, I don't, you know, just listen to the guy, right? And she's like, what? She's like, well, WTF you talking about? And then he covers like uh, his brain, puts a, the, the lid back on. He's like, go on. We see Vic and Derek are sneaking through the woods. And then there's like a glow up ahead. So it, it's, I think it's supposed to be Larry and Keeg. And then Derek's like, well, how are we going to get past the scissor guards? You know, there's too many to drop another, another boulder. So you're going to have to fight them. Derek draws something. He shows it to Vic. He's like, my arm cannon? He's like, why'd you draw that? And Derek's like, are you kidding me? Because it's fudging dope. And so it appears on a paper, then um, he draws it, then Derek's holding in his hand. He tries giving a big cannon to Vic, and he's like, thanks, but I was thinking it might be might look pretty badass on you. He's like, really? He's like, yeah. So Derek puts his hand on it. He's like, oh, it feels nice. And then he asks Vic, he's like, well, what's your weapon of choice? And Vic just smiles. But we don't see what it is right away. Because so then Rita is lying in bed, Rouge knocks on the door, and Rita's like, go away! Rouge comes in anyways and says that she needs help building the interdimensional portal to orc with. And, you know, she found some schematics in all the papers, but Rita's still upset with everything. And she tells Rouge that, you know, she might not want to be in the same room as her in case, you know, she expands again, I guess. Wally explains that while he was in prison and forced to create weapons, uh, whatever, then Niles Calder introduced him to the Immortus Project. And Jane's like, oh, of course, you know, he's involved in, in this poop show. So Wally's like, he said that there was a piece of an ancient immortal being somewhere in the world. He wanted me to create a creature that could sniff it out. At first I refused, but then he told me about the girl with powers like mine. He needed the piece of this being to protect her. It was a chance for me to finally do something good. Months after, Niles returned to tell me that peanut butter was successful. And Cliff's like, what the fudge is peanut butter? And... Uh, Jane's like, the, the donkey dip poop, because there's that donkey from the first episode, I think, whatever, the interdimensional donkey. So then while he's like, Niall showed me the, the, the piece of him, this immortal being, the Lord Immortus, and that's when I saw it. Everything, everything Immortus creates, new possibilities, and all that's left now is you, Cliff. He's like, I want you to see for yourself what I saw, the possibilities. And he's like, well, I don't know what to say except fudge that and fudge you. So Vic made, I guess he wanted a like green flame glowing sword or something like that. So Derek holds up the cannon and he's like, who wants a taste? He shoots it and goes like flying back. Smacks into a tree. That was really loud. Sorry. And Vic, uh, he takes out like three, you know, he's pretty good with a sword. He takes out three of them, goes and checks out Derek. Uh, he's like, oh, I think I broke my butt. And Vic's like, not as easy as it looks, huh? And then like two more scissor guards come up. 
And then Derek's like, here, take it. And then they start arguing. He's like, no. He's, he's like, yeah, take it. And he's like, I said no. Wally takes out this necklace and Cliff asks Jane, he's like, is that Niles' longevity necklace? And Wally says it is. That he got it from a fellow acolyte. So he tells him to touch it and feel the possibilities. Jane tells Cliff, she's like, well, you know, go ahead. You know, the, the sooner you do it, you know, the sooner we shut him up, you know, the sooner we get out of here or whatever. But then they like both touch it. And then suddenly they're like in some grocery store. Uh, with Vic and Derek, more scissor guards start coming. Vic gets up with the sword. Derek tries firing a cannon again, but he manages to blast one away because Vic was like pushing his back, like holding him up. He's like, I got your back, D. He's like, put your weight on your back leg. Use the top notch on the cannon to aim. So they start going kind of like back to back, like taking care of like all the scissor guards that are coming at them. Rouge is, is trying to work. Rita comes down, pours herself a drink because there's like one of those little drink cart things. Rouge says that she's like, oh, you're just continuing to sulk. And Rita's like, I am not sulking. She's like, I just came to a realization. Everything I touch just turns to poop. And she's like, well, not literally. That would be disgusting. Rouge points out that, you know, she's like, well, her, you know, my personal track record is much better. And she's like, you know, I failed at most things I tried. Revenge against Niles, joining the Brotherhood of Evil, being a good friend to the only people I ever really cared about. Uh, she's like, but the thing is, you either, you're trying to head up or head down. And sometimes just trying has to be good enough. And then she's like, now our friends are in trouble and I would rather fail at trying to save them than succeed at doing nothing. And then Rita's like, when we were trapped in my movie and you didn't try to save me, was that you trying to head up or trying to head down? And Rouge is like, I wanted to help, but I couldn't. I couldn't figure out how. So I had a few drinks to help the creative juices flow. And instead... I came up with creative ideas and how to continue drinking. But um, you are right to remind me of that failure too. So then, then Rita like takes like the gears or whatever from Rouge's hands and she like assembles them correctly and hands it back to her. And she's, you know, then Rouge is like, thank you. And Rita's like, and sometimes I think that the universe is conspiring to keep us enemies. I was thinking maybe we shouldn't let it. And Rouge raises a drink and she's like, fudge the universe. Plink. They, you know, clink their glasses. At the grocery store, Cliff's like, I don't know what the fudge this is, but I'm glad you came with me. And Jane's like, I didn't want to come here, dip spit. I was trying to gank the longevity necklace. He's like, why? He's like, for longevity, a-hole. He's like, isn't that why we're here? And he's like, well, what about Larry? And she's like, him too. So they go down there, this aisle, it's like the paper goods section. And Cliff's like, oh, this is the worst aisle. He's like, this is, you know, this is my world of possibilities. And Jane's like, well, you know, forget all this. He's like, we need to get the heck out of here. And then Clara, Cliff's daughter, runs up from behind and she's, she's like, Dad, is Rory with you? And he's like, what? She's like, Dad, where the hell is Rory? Jane tells Cliff, she's like, this isn't real. But Cliff keeps talking. And he's like, she's like, well, if he's not with you or, or something like that. And she's like, well, you're supposed to be watching him. And she starts, she goes off, she starts calling Rory. And Cliff's like, what is this? And Jane's like, it's a lie. Don't get sucked in. And Claire comes back. She's like, Dad. She's like, and then he's like, I'm coming, sweetheart. And Jane just like curses. Derek says, he's like, oh, that was so dope. He's like, why would you ever want to, you know, give this hero gig up? And he's like, man, bro. He's like, you, you still don't know what this means to people. And Vic's like, you're right. I don't. Derek's like, back home, you are bigger than Superman. And Vic's just like, great. And Derek's like, yo, what's up, man? He's like, doesn't it mean anything to you? And Vic's like, yo, man, I'm so sick and tired of hearing what being cyborg means to you and everyone else. You want to know what my tech meant to me? It meant waking up from the darkest emptiest sleep I ever had to a body I didn't even recognize and a face that wasn't even mine. It's like, yo, I lost everything. My mom, football, 
girls and my friends. And Derek's like, that's BS. You never lost us. You left us. He's like, you really don't think that I wanted to see you guys? That I needed you? You was my family. I couldn't even look myself in the face. So how could I possibly face y'all? And Derek's like, I didn't know. I was like, I'm sorry. So then they continued forward and they they find an unconscious Larry. And then he's like, Vic and friend? He's like, what, what, what are you guys doing here? And to Derek, Vic's like, he's like, come on. I know you want to say it. And he's like, really? Vic's like, bro, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. So he kind of like positions the cannon up in a pose. He's like, come with us if you want to live. And then Larry's like, mm, I don't think so. Rita and Rouge, they must be getting drunk. They, but they made an actual doorway from like, it looks like bones or whatever. I don't know what, what they made it from. Then Rita says it looks like a doorway from a nightmare. Rouge says, you know, it doesn't look like, you know, um, but, but, it, but it looks like they're going to go through like, you know, a couple of fudging morons or something like that. And Rita's like, it's like, no, like superheroes. Then Rouge starts to confess that when Rita was being mean to her, which was quite often, that she'd do nasty things to her toothbrush. And Rita's like, oh, I don't need to know. And Rouge is like, I, I would transform into a beaver with, you know, big teeth, and I'd shove it right up my beaver beaver. <laughs> and Rita's like, well, I suppose I have something to confess as well. And Rouge is like, is it about a toothbrush? She's like, no. Wally isn't the first person that I've killed. It's like, I killed a brain too. Murdered, to be more accurate. I don't feel remotely bad about either. And yes, I did watch him kill Malcolm, but one would think a normal person would have more than a pang of guilt. And Rouge is like, who's to say you're not normal? And then Rita's like, I also killed a sleazeball producer. Again, accidentally, and again, without much remorse. So it might all have been, you know, fool's errand to try to become a superhero. All this rambling is just a way to say that I'm in no particular position to have judged you so harshly after all. I'll, I'll, after all this time, when I'm basically as bad as you are. And Rouge's like, as bad as me? Well, I think you might be worse, because you're a fudging serial killer for fudge's sake. And they both laugh. <laughs> then Rita's like, you know, what's left to do on, on a door? And Rouge puts Rita's coat like on her and like touches her back to the gate so that the green goo touches it. She's like a, a little a Wally's green smudge. The gate starts to like shimmer with like green swirls, and you know they're not sure where they they it could lead to. But then Rita's like says that their friends are on the other side, so they start to lightly argue like after you, no after you. But then they go in, and then you see Rita's arm like extends out, and then she pulls the, the drink card after them. At the grocery store, Cliff is calling out to Rory. Jane's yells. She's like, none of this is fudging real. And she's like, that's not your daughter. We're not in Trader Blows. And you already know where Rory is. And he's like, I know it's not real, but it's my possibility. And I want to know what, what the fudge it is. And she's like, if you're going to be a fudging idiot, well, can you at least you know swing by the home goods aisle and get a knife or something? We're going to need it if we go back to you know dork with. And then he looks at this, like at the end cap, there's like a jar of pickles. He's like, that's fudging heavy grab that so she grabs a big jar of pickles then there's like you hear over like the the intercom speak there's a kid singing poisons like talk dirty to me so they go up the front they see you know rory he's he's a little grown up like maybe five or so whatever i'm, I'm bad with, with kid ages and then claire shows up too and Cliff's like oh he's perfect and then claire you know says she's like oh he's only like this when you're around you know he's undermines me as a parent blah 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 all this stuff like that then rory sees cliff and he's like pop pop and cliff you know takes off his oven mitt hand and he approaches rory then they're back and wally says that he's right where he left him 
that he's waiting for him, that he can enjoy the formative years of his life without, you know, or with, with sound body and mind, it's a possibility only Immortus can provide. And Cliff's just like silent. Then <laughs> Jane throws a pickle, big pickle at, at Wally's face. Sister guard starts moving towards her and Jane asks Cliff, like, you know, what are you doing? And they, you know, they have to get the fudge out of there. Cliff stares at his oven mitt the, with a drawing that he drew in there. And Jane's like, no, Cliff, you stupid meat metal a-hole. And he's like, he tells him, he's like, don't hurt, don't hurt her. Don't hurt Jane. She says that he knows what this means for the rest of them. You know, it's like their family too. And she starts pleading and she's like, you know, Rory needs you. She's like, I need you. Vic, Larry, and Derek, um, they feel this place starts shaking. And Larry's, you know, he says, he's like, safe travels. And Larry tells, he's, he tells Vic, he's like, you have to understand what Keek saw in the future was not good. He's like, so not good that I'd rather stay here in this phony hellhole and Vic's like, you know, I get it. You're just trying to be a good dad to Keeg, but you know, something really bad is going to happen with uh, Jane and, and Cliff. She's like, you know, come on, please, don't let this be the end. And then there's, you know, he's like strapped to this like table, like standing up, upright table. This tube's like sticking out of his brain, and Cliff's like talks to the oven mitt. He's like, I, I know that, you know, I'm probably putting my faith into a whole lot of nothing. He's like, but I'm doing this for you, Rory. And then oven mitt Rory's like, are you? And then the immortifier starts zapping him. Jane screams. She's like, no, go ahead. And then finally, the, the machine stops. The tube's removed from his brain. He, he's still moving. And they, like, unstrap him. He gets up. Jane's just, like, staring at him. He, he doesn't say anything. He just kind of, like, walks past her, sits in his chair. And Wally's like, can you feel it? Time is upon us. Immortus is nigh. And we see Torminox. Uh, so he Torminox was that alien father of uh the the comic book girl that uh dorothy was reading and dr janice is there too and they're like in robes and they're chanting cliff just puts like his head in his hand rita and rouge are drunk they're pushing the drink cart they're calling out did somebody order a rescue and they're like oh it's like a disco in here then rita sees cliff She's like let's go rescue him and you know he says it's too late it's like you can't stop it jane decides to sit up she knocks out a scissor guards with like something that she picked up Torminox Torminox goes to shoot her but then the gun is like shot out of his his hand by, by Casey so Casey's again that that girl super space superhero girl whatever that Dorothy was reading I think her name was Vectra something like that so then she's like father you don't have to do this and Wally's like wait how can this be I never brought you to life and She's like, no, you just drew me into an endless war with my father. She gave me life. And then Dorothy runs and she goes up to Jane. And Jane's like, what the hell are you doing here? And Dorothy goes up to Wally and, and asks, he's like, are you Wally Sage? And he's like, you're the girl, Niles girl. It's all come full circle. This is meant to be. Places are shaking a bit, whatever. He's like, this is it. Immortus is here. So then Jane, Dorothy, and Casey go to leave. But a bubble appears around them. Another bubble appears around Rita Rouge. And, and a drink cart, and then a third goes around Cliff, still sitting in a chair. Outside, Vic drew like stick figures, or and and he drew like you know circle with the, around the different groups. So he must have drawn the bubbles around them to protect them from the the blast, I guess, from the rubbles, the stuff falling. I don't know. So, so the, the last one he drew is around him and, and Derek and Larry. Rita and Rouge are laughing. They're like, "Did we do this?" And Rita's like, "We saved everyone! Yay!" purple lights grows light brighter the cage door like push, opens and then this girl comes out smiling hey you guys and the others are like wtf then the, the girl opens her mouth and gives like this low like rah, shriek like thing 
it like knocks everyone down except for those in the bubble, but they can still feel like the sh- the blast of the, sh- the shriek, whatever. And that's where the episode ends. So it's like, wait, what, what the heck does that mean? So the next episode that I'll talk about, which again is available, next one is is Fame Patrol. But that's <laughs> that'll be Doom Patrol for this week. So it's back. Okay, then with Rick and Morty again, which I already did this, uh, season seven, episode two, the Jarek trap. Oh my goodness. Uh, okay, uh, Rick is working on a ship uh, outside the garage. Jerry comes in and says he needs help with a rake situation because he asked Gene if he borrowed his rake, and he was like, he said no, like that like you know too fast like faster than someone who knew that they don't have my rake he's like i think he has my rake and and i I, it's like and rick's just like slides a gun to him he's like i'm not gonna murder gene and rick's like jerry thank you for bringing me into the rake situation i've done all i can i'm out and jerry's like no surprise there all that brain and you just waste it he's like hold up I, I wasted my brain? He's like, yeah, Rick. Obviously, you were born smarter than me, but if I had your brain, if you had my... I'm so sick of this born smart poop. And then Jerry's like, are you going to kill me? <laughs> Which I love that's his like, first reaction. He's like, I was born crying and peeing myself just like you. So now he's at his workbench and he's like fiddling with some stuff. He's like, then I became the smartest man in the universe. Do I get any credit? No. I get to check my brain privilege. Jerry's like, so we're swapping bodies he's like no that would be freaky friday which is you know is a ceiling of your grasp of consciousness the brain is part of the body jerry it's hardware i'm gonna put my mind in your brain and your mind in my brain then we'll see the real definition of waste jerry or you know admit genius isn't random so they put these like colander like devices hooked up to some stuff over the heads lights glow and then Jerry starts like whimpering. He's like almost in tears. He gets up. He can barely walk. He like stumbles to the shelf. He grabs a gun and works like, wait, no. <laughs> it's like, and Jerry's head is, you know, you see him just lying there. There's a big pool of blood and there's like stuff all over like the shelf and the walls. And Rick's like, okay, hold, hold on. He stands up, but then a bunch of gadgets starts popping out of like his fingers and his eye. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, all right, Jerry. He's like, you can do this because it's obviously Jerry and Rick's mind or whatever however that works he takes like one step but then a rocket like starts up on his foot and he like hits the ceiling bounces off the wall all over he lands on the floor so he like banged his head like all over the place or something like that and then there's like blood coming out of his head the garage ai is like medical emergency detected it scans like the the uh, scans them in, in the garage there's like blood and bits of both sanchez and smith like detected all over the place so then the medical droid thing like pops out it's like ah there goes my Thursday. On this alien planet, Morty is like in handcuffs, and you know he he's with these like two aliens like suits, supposed to be like like gangster um, aliens. He's like, this is a big mistake, and one guy's like, ha, it's like bigger mistake than being a criminal. It's like I'm mistake proof. And so he takes him to this big office. He's like, sorry, boss, caught this punk selling crystals on our turf. The big boss alien like slaps him. And he's like, you big precious moron. It's like, do you know who this, who the bleep this is? He's like, this is Morty, the kid who hangs out with Rick Sanchez. And the other guy's like, or Morty's like, tried to warn you, man. And the alien's like, Rick, Rick Sanchez? And then he's like, the underworld legend? Chaotic, neutral, sci-fi guy? He's like, he's going to turn me into a sandwich. He's like, WTF is with this new guy. It's like, check those bleeping references next time. He's like, whatever this kid wants to do in our territories is his business. He's like, bleep, bleep, call my wife. We got to prep uh, whatever bags, three through six. And then he gets like all friendly, puts his arm around Morty. He's like, hey, pal, you good? You whole? And he's like, you guys have milkshakes? And he's like, we will learn what they are and we will get you one. 
So meanwhile, Rick and Jerry's head wounds are like stitched up. They wake up and Rick's like, like, what a turn. Lucky I'm such a genius that your garage can thwart death. And Jerry's like, I'm the genius and it's your garage, idiot. He's like, hey, what the bleep did you do to my body? And Rick's like, so it's actually Rick's. So this is where it gets confusing because both of them are in both bodies. And so Rick body's like, your body. He's like, Jerry, your mind did that to my body using my brain. And then he's like, Jerry, my mind was in this brain and your body is like pretty easy to, to follow. So it's like, it's all kind of confusing. So Rick body's like, it shuffled us. And then Jerry body's like, shuffled you maybe. And he's like, I'm tracking everything. And Rick's Rick body's like, garage, fix this. Situation was fixed. And he's like, you call this fix? And both of them are like, this guy thinks he's me. And then the AI's like, let's see you fix it then, a-hole. And so um, Jerry's like, I bleepin' will. He's like, I got my lab right here. Give me three hours. So Rick body's like, oh, sure. Yeah, like, I'd even, you know, ever trust you to open my skull. It's like, I'll fix it. I just need to scan for it. And he's, ow! So this, like, robot eye pops out. And then, like, his bicep opens up and, like, some tech sticking out. So then Jerry body's like, like, I'd trust your fritzing R2-D2 ass. He's like, you'll just kill me on purpose. So Rick body's like, so that's where my paranoia went. And then Rick's cell phone rings. It's Chuxley from Crime Town. So that's a, the big boss alien. Morty's like drinking, like, it looks like, it almost looks like a Coke, but it's supposed to be a shake, I'm assuming. And, and you know, he's playing ping pong. And Chuxley explains, he's like, you know, one of my guys kidnapped Morty. And even though I, t- you know, I told him not to, but he's fine. And then Jerry body's is like, he's, he says something. And he's like, Morty's kidnapped. He's like, give me that. And then he's like, this is Rick Sanchez. He's like, I'm using my, my you know, son, son-in-law's vocal cords because I'm amazing. If you touch my grandson, I'm going to get... And he's like, get, get off me. So they're like, just like slapping each other like in, in a garage and, you know, trying to grab the phone and stuff like that. And he's like, you're only calling me Jerry because you're so stupid and you think it's hurtful, which it is. So he grabs the phone. He's like, tell me where you are. And Rick Body's like, no, you tell them where they are. <laughs> like Liam Neeson. And then uh, Jerry Body's like, do not pretend to explain Liam Neeson to me, sir. There's more arguing than both together. They're like, we know where you are. And then the line clicks. And Morty's like, hey, my milkshake's empty. In the garage, Rick Body's like, do you have a clue what pain is to, you know, what a pain it is to cultivate a mystique? And Jerry Body's like, yeah, I do. It's my mystique. And you're just cultivating Jerry's, you know, shame, which is, wait, wait, what's, what's with my hair? And he's like, leave it. So Jerry's hair is now like kind of spiky like like uh rick's and and um it's like rick rick's hair is like kind of pushed down sort of like like whatever like like jerry's hair sort of like their hairstyles are kind of switched and and rick body's like why do you care about hair nerd and then jerry's like be quiet for a second he's like i need to think through all these chunks of of moron he's like you stay here and i'll get morty and then Rick Body's like, ha, I'm not letting you and our brains get blown up twice. It's like, car, electrocute Jerry if he gets in the front seat. And Jerry's like, car, engage castration protocol right now. And then the car's like, figure out how to drive me together or I'll have to kill you both. So in space, like the car, space car's like flying all over the place. And there's like two steering wheels now, control, whatever. And, and Rick Body's like, what are we, a 1930s axe? He's like, stop, stop swerving. And Jerry's like, you're swerving. He's like, all right, when we get there, let me do the talking. And Jerry Body's like, yeah, I know because you look the most like us. He's like, I'm not stupid. And Rick Body's like, oh, it's like, I beg to differ. And then Jerry Body's like, screw you, half Jerry. And Rick's Body's like, you're a half Jerry. And they're like, no, you're a half Jerry. <laughs> Hopefully this is making sense because this is kind of confusing. Keep it all this straight. The aliens are trying to look you know, like all calm and noble, whatever. Then a car like smashes through the window. 
And Jerry Body's like, nice parking job, ass dick. And he's like, you scratched my car. And then, so Rick Body's like, this is my assassin, deadliest man in the galaxy, and he's gay. And Jerry Body's like, why am I gay? And there's like more arguing. Chuxley points out that Morty's right, you know, right here. He's got 10,000 croutons, so that's slang for crystals. She's like, Morty, show him. They're, Jerry Body's like, we know what croutons are. And then um, Morty's like, why is dad here? Chuck's like, your dad's a gay assassin? And he's like, oh, that, that's so cool and, and ordinary. He's like, oh, sorry. So Rick Body's like, I appreciate you trying to make good, but you cost me 10 times that much. And Jerry's like, it doesn't matter, Rick. It's like, the guy's already kissing your ass. And Rick Body's like, it's the ass kickers, kissers that you have to keep in line. When they sense weakness, they move on you. And he's like, wait, what are we, Walter White? It's like, who, you, who cares if a mid-tier crime dork moves on us? And he's like, thank you for the crystals. Morty, get in the car. And then Chuck's like, actually, Morty, why don't you stay and leave those crystals here since they are such an insulting amount? And Rick Body's like, there it is. Now he's thinking maybe I should kill God. And Jerry Body's like, yeah, because God doesn't haggle for 10,000 bleeping croutons. He's like, look, here's the deal. I'm Rick. That's my son-in-law. And we're all a little gay. And there's like some other alien mobster dudes that are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a spectrum. <laughs> and Morty, he's like, Morty. And so Jerry Body's like, Morty, it's me, Rick. Get in the car. And Chuck's like, don't get in the car, Morty. And put the briefcase down. Rick Body's like, Morty, get in the car twice. Once for each five additional briefcases this a-hole owes us. And Jerry's like, stop doing a terrible impression of me. And Chuck's like, look, at this point, we're terrible gangsters if we don't roll the, the dice. Everybody, start killing them. So then they jump through the glass because the office is like over this restaurant. So they, they fall down there. And Morty's like, what have you a-holes done now? And Jerry's like, it's okay. It's a nice restaurant. And then Rick Body's like, oh, spit, crime restaurant. Everyone starts shooting at them. They like hop over the counter. Morty wonders, he's like, am I really about to die because you botched a Freaky Friday? They're both like, yes. <laughs> Morty's like, he says to the the more like to Rick Body, he's like, whoever you are, you're in Rick's body. Use your implants. And Rick Body's like, I'm trying. Half my brain is a guy that still needs your mom to use an electric wine opener. He's like concentrating. He's like, hey, hang on. I think I got it. His head gets like pointy. He's like, oh, oh right, for my conehead phase. And then Jerry Body's like, awesome bleeping movie. And Rick Body's like, incredible cast. Morty Kersey's like, I'm shooting my way back to the car. And then Rick Body's like, way to go. Now my son and grandson hate us. And Jerry Body's like, he's my son and grandson too. And Rick Body's like, huh, we do share an agenda in that sense. Jerry Body's like, let's hope you share my aim. Then they both start shooting. And then <laughs> the White Stripes were going to uh, be friends plays. Morty makes it up to the, the, the office, the second level, and he calls him, but then Chuckley grabs him by the throat and Jerry, like, uh, he, like, there's, like, this card or something, he tips at an angle, like, against a table, and it's, like, almost like a ramp. So he tells Rick, he's like, you might feel a pinch, and Rick's like, hop on! So he gets on his back, his feet rocket start up, and then his head goes pointy, you know, cone head again, whoosh! They fly, fly up, pierce Chuckley, Chuckley through the chest, and Jerry's like, ha ha, you conehead SOB. He's like, I can't believe that worked. And Rick, Rick body's still like sticking through like Chuckley's body. And they're like covered in like purple blood goo or whatever. And Rick body's like, oh, you know, I wish they did that in a movie. And Morty's kind of freaking out. I was like, oh. and then he's like, huh, guess I should have done something with my hands. So he's like trying to wiggle because he's, he's stuck in the body. And Jerry goes to Jerry body goes to Rick body's feet. He's like, Morty, you got to got to push or pull your, your call. Because they got to either pull him through or push him. They're flying back home. 
they walk in the garage, they're still covered in goo. Rick and Jerry are like laughing. They have like, all these bags, whatever. Beth comes in the garage. She's like, what happened? And Morty's like, they made us stop at every drive through chain in the galaxy so they can make one giant burger with a patty from each place. And Beth's like, I guess I meant before that. And Rick body's like, brains got a little mixed up. But Jerry body's like, but we're going to swap back. Don't worry. Just didn't want to uh, build a neural interface on an empty stomach, right? And she's like, wait, you guys did a brain swap? And Morty's like, don't bother chiding until they're unshuffled. Neither one is dad or Rick. And she's like, huh, I guess I'm thrilled you guys are getting along. Let's keep that going when those brains get back in their bodies. So later they're still working together and they're, they're drinking beer too. And Rick, body, he comments on Jerry's laid back attitude. Jerry says that, you know, Jerry'd still be hung up on a rake. And Rick, body's like, oh my God, the rake, we've got to do it. Jerry, you know, makes some tweaks on some text. He's like, that ought to do it. So they start looking through. They're kind of like these double x-ray binoculars. And they see Gene, like, drinking from a carton at the fridge. And on the, the, the computer readout, it's like, not rake. Then they, like, look over, pan over to the garage. And there's, like, a 99.87% chance that that's a rake. So Jerry body's like, whoa. And Rick body's like, classic Gene, huh? And Jerry's like, SOP. And then Rick's like, crazy. This is the kind of thing that used to really piss me off. And Jerry Body's like, yeah, now it's just kind of funny. It's like, oh, you want to replace it with a holographic rake? And Rick Body's like, oh, that'd be fun. He'd get confused trying to pick it up. And Jerry Body's like, eh, I guess I don't even want to do that. I, I just want to live. I want Gene to live. I want all of us to make mistakes and, and change all the time. Rick Body's like, amen to that, brother. And then Beth comes back out. She's like, kind of thought that two geniuses would build faster than one. And it's like, uh, when do I start being concerned about this? And Rick's body's like, just having a little fun with my new friend, sweetie. And she's like, uh, who is talking to me right now? Mostly my dad or mostly my husband? And Rick's like, oof, I've been on that website. Because that's probably Jerry that said that. And then she's like, look, I've been patient, but I can't tell how to get mad at who. So no one enters my room or touches me until this is wrapped up. And Jerry body's like, ooh. He's like, what do you take me for? And Rick body's like, ugh, Beth, gross, ugh. And he's like, I want you to know. When he says this, you know, she's gone. So he says this to the Jerry body. He's like, when this is over, the guy in this body is going to yell at Jerry, call him useless, really lay into him, but he won't always meet it. Jerry body's like, well, you know, cards on the table. The guy in this body might call Rick an angry a-hole, but he's the closest thing Jerry has to a friend. Rick body's like, this was fun. Rick would never have been able to admit that. And Jerry body's like, yeah, it's a shame those guys had to become us to be happy. The device beeps because it's ready and they look at each other in the morning beth's alarm wakes her up she looks over you know jerry's side of the bed is still empty like you know, the bed's still made she goes out in the hall and starts knocking on doors wakes the kids you know breakfast at school she goes to the garage she calls to jerry dad and inside more like they left a note and summer's like uh should we read it in, in rick's voice or dad's so Beth just reads it. Dear family, we thought about leaving a note. One of us was like, why are we leaving a note? That's such a Jerry thing to do. But if we don't leave a note, that's such a Rick thing to do. And then we realize we just got to be us. So it's a note, but it's not really well thought out. And she's like, that's it? They got out a pen and paper for this? Gene knocks on the window outside. He's like, oh, you got a note too? But his is really long, like two sheets of paper taped together. <laughs> so he wrote more to Gene. On an alien world... Uh, these two aliens are carrying like this big like glass like window. One of them's like, oh, I, I can't believe a dying kid would wish for a new window. And then Rick and Jerry wearing like vacation like out like Hawaiian shirts and stuff like that. They run through the glass. They're like laughing. They're being chased. 
And the one guy's like, like, oh, they stole our crystals. So they run like over rooftops. They jump, they go through an apartment. Um, there's a guy, one of the dudes chasing was like outside. He gets like, the door kicks open. He gets knocked over the balcony onto the floor. So they, um, I think Rick body goes down to him. There's another guy like in a tree climbing down. And Rick puts a burger in the guy's mouth who like fell off the balcony. But then he gets shot. And then Jerry's like, eh. He's like, oh, one of us always gets shot. So they fly away. They're like in this big space, like houseboat. And they're, you know, cheers for another job. Well done. This little robot comes in with like pina coladas. Like it's five o'clock somewhere. Then, you know, so Rick is still like shot. And he's like in pain still. He's like, oh, look at us. No responsibilities. Just two friends having fun. Beth tries calling Jerry's phone, but, you know, it's a horrible voice message. She's like, oh, is this thing on? Whatever. He gets cut off. It's it's full because he probably doesn't know to delete anything. Then Morty, Summer, and Beth. They they um they go out to the planet that they were just at. So that somehow they got there. And um it says like, Oh, it looks like they were just here. And Summer's like, So they just stick burgers in dead guys' mouths now? And Beth's like, In dead criminals' mouths, Summer. And she's like, You're defending them? And Beth's like, Well, they were my husband and father. Morty thinks this little alien dude for the tip. And he's like, Most of my underworld contacts have been ghosting me. He's like, and then the, the alien dude's like, well, I should be thanking you for making me rich. And Morty's like, wait, I didn't pay you for this. And he's like, yeah, these guys did. This like space limo drops down um, and you see like a, a sh- shadow come out of the door. It's Chuxley. He has bandage around, he had bandages around his like chest and, and there's still a hole in him. And like the bandages like go in, inside the hole. So he's all bandaged up. He's like, what's the problem, kid? Bonehead got your tongue or something like that. Bonehead got your tongue, I think he said. And he's like, Chuxley, you're still alive? And, and then all guns. And so they put their hands up. And then Beth's like, did this guy always have a hole or is that a big reveal? Rick and Jerry are being, they're like on some swamp planet now. They're like in, you know, one of those like, the, what are those boats with the big fans? You're like, there's another boat chasing them, like shooting at them. They're like laughing and shouting. Then Chuxley calls them during the, the chase. And Rick body's like, Chuxley, you're alive? He's like, shut up. I got something you might want to hear. You know, the family. And he's like, what do you want? He says that he wants both of them or he smokes their family or something like that. And he's like, what am I saying? Bring money to, you know, one hour. And Rick's like, it's like, oh, you know, I, I guess we should shoot the fuel tank. So Jerry turns, shoots the, the, uh, the, the boat. It blows up. The little guy driving, he's like, oh, you could have done that the whole time. And Rick's like, ah, oh, because there goes our fun. So they're on uh, the houseboat. They snort like crushed crystals, I guess. So Rick body's like, so now what? And then Jerry body's like, hey, remember how we met that non-rescue of Morty? And Rick's like, we were thinking we were different and accusing each other of being bad. But Morty reminded us that, you know, we both love our family and it brought us together. (sighs) Let's do this. And then Jerry body's like, well, if we're going to do it right, we might as well use our best idea. So then we see Beth, Morty, and Summer. They're like handcuffed, but they're, they're, they're hanging from their wrists, like above their heads, and they're over like this big hot vat of something. And Beth asks who they are. And she's like, is my son selling drugs for, for my father? And Morty's like, crystals can be anything, Mom. And then Chuck's like, yeah, but these crystals are drugs. And she's like, Morty. Then the space, the space houseboat smashes through into like this big warehouse, factory, whatever place. Chuck's like, here we are, boys. This is it. The smoke clears. We see Jerry. We see Rick. But then actually, they're pieced together, kind of like a totem pole or whatever. Because Jerry's heads on top of Rick's heads 
and like you see like Rick's upper torso on top of Jerry's torso and and so they have like you know forearms and they're they're both like like oh you're safe now and Chuck's is like holy spit all the positive aspects of each perfectly melded together oh we, we also see that they, they have like four legs at the bottom it's just like really kind of freaky and then they're like, yes, I am Jericky. Watch out. They got like, going like a karate position. Chucksley tells his boys, you know, nothing could have prepared us for this. We have to shoot and hope. And he's like, also, everything's flammable. So they start shooting. Jericky like jumps up to the ceiling, like kind of walk, crawls under, under, under the ceiling, whatever. Um, let's out this like weird noise that like knocks out some of them. Like, it's like some sort of shockwave, whatever, scream. Then kind of like levitate starts floating, uses a laser beam to like cut the you know from the front eye like laser vision cuts the family's chain. Then the the alien who started this you know he's like hiding with Chuck. He's like oh I'm sorry this is all my fault. And then you know Chuck's he's like oh that's a solid apology. He's like you're off the hook if we survive this. But then you know there's an explosion because you know everything's flammable and Jer- Jericky lands on the alien guys, just smashes them. He's like just goo and Chuck's is like bleeding and Morty's like, oh, have you been shot? He's like, no. He's like the stitches never set. He's like, what can I say? I'm a workaholic. And he's like, I knew this day would come. And Jerwicky Jericky is like, Chucksley, this is a good death. You sought mastery over your world. And he's like, no, I stepped out of line. I thought I could kill God. And, and he's like, being you know a boss in a crime world. Ugh, so much stress. He's like, honestly, Jericky, it's a relief to die in your arms. And then he's like, final meal. They hand him a burger. He like chomps it. Mm, mm. He's like, wait, how, how old is this? He dies. <laughs> so they fly back in their the regular space car, and you know it's just like quiet. Someone's like, uh, can we turn on the radio? Because there's just like awkward silence. And she's like, at this point, I'd even take a podcast. <laughs> she's like, it's a podcast. And um, Jericky's like, do you not hear the symphony of Adams dying in space? Um, no. Later in the garage, family walks in. Jericky's like working on a car. He's like, good, you are here. I have modified the house defenses. They will ensure the mob never bothers you again. And Beth's like, oh, thanks. She's like, uh, you know, this is killing. And um, Morty's like, I, I, I thought you came to rescue us. You know, you when you did when you came to rescue us, you learned to love us more than ever. You, you learned the opposite, and so they're like burger and fries. Learn to love each other because that's what they call themselves, I guess, when they're doing whatever their stuff. They like learn to love each other and sacrifice themselves out of love for you. I am Jerookie, and I only need to love myself. Summer was it? Summer It's like you can't actually be leaving, right? Morty's like you're my dad and grandpa. You you can't just take them. Your dad and grandpa are dead, Morty. They died arguing with each other about their brains. Gene comes over with a rake. He's like, ah, excuse me, are you Jerry? Sorry, you have one of his heads. I am Jerwicky. He's like, well, you may as well have your rake back then. Uh, That's right, I took it. I asked myself, why lie about it? Don't you think he knows? Couldn't I get my own? Of course I could have, but... But GD it is like I, this rake kept my neighbors in my life. You guys don't give a GD poop about Gene. He's like, I, 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 but I see that won't help any longer. Here, you are no longer obligated in such a way. Gene's like, well, I'm gonna give it back anyways. Just seems the right thing to do. Okay. So they have the rake. They step back in the garage. There's like a slight smile, but then they drop the rake, and the family's like, ah. Jerricky's like, you think a rake will change my mind? Summer says that it's bleeping lame. Both of them walking out of mom. She thought that they had two sets of balls, not zero. Our balls are adequate. 
Then they, they step on a rake and it smashes them like in the nose. Jerry screams and Rick's like, Morty, we're still in, in here. It's like, there's a memory of myself as a 30-year-old. He kept our egos intact. He saved us. The body starts like fighting itself and the family has to like pin it down. And so somehow they, they solve the problem. Cuts to the next day. They're sitting at the table eating breakfast, like in silence. And then Rick's like, nicely prepared eggs. And Jerry's like, I still can't taste anything. It's like, awesome adventure, Rick. And... Then Rick's like, Jerry, being shuffled with me was probably the best part of your sad existence. A brush with greatness. And Jerry's like, please, like you didn't get an upgrade. He's like, what was it like having integrity for once? And then Rick's like, hey, Beth, how much integrity is left on a mortgage? And Rick's like, I think it's clear that you both love each other more than you're willing to admit. And Rick's like, dumb, bleep, dumb. It's like, go pick up crystals for me. And Jerry's like, you don't have to do that, Morty. And he's like, no, no, it, it's it's okay. I, I like doing it. Beth gets up and she's like, well, those horses aren't going to, you know, sew themselves. You know, she's, she's like, great to have you both back. And Summer's like, yeah, whatever. And she gets up and leaves too. Rick's like, great. So I still wind up stuck with Jerry's dumbass. And Jerry's like, oh, bleep you. Eat your eggs that my wife bought. And Rick's like, how about you eat my bleep, you Hawaiian shirt loving bleep? And he's like, uncalled for, rude and uncalled for. They continue arguing. The camera pans out like over the house and everything like that. Then then it cuts to like a photo of them together, like at the space bar enjoying a drink. And that's the end of the episode. But then the end credit scene, there's like some space museum tour. This kid comments like, you know, there's like a space shuttle. They're like, oh, can you believe that thing can actually fly? But then we see like a pimple-faced Jerry. He's like, well, of course it can. It's a space shuttle. The teacher's like, oh, you know, let's move along. And, you know, there's a, some Thomas Roosevelt or something, you know, whatever, like that. And then you see like memory work, Rick, according to the closed caption. See, he goes to like the end of the space shuttle and then he's like trying to open up a hatch or something like that. And he like sighs. He's like, day eight of attempting to escape Jerry's mind. He opens a hatch and then uh, a bunch of springs and gears fall out. It has become increasingly clear. My daughter married a man who remembers all technology is powered by springs and gears. And then there's a scene of him like sneaking in the laundry or something like that. Because I think Jerry was there, so he's trying to avoid him. He opens a dryer, springs and gears pop out. And then there's like something else also. And he's like, how did I get here? Uh, there, there's a, a scene at like a used car lot. Jerry's looking at the engine of a car. Rick's like ducked behind another car. He's like, I s suspected a chunk of Rick's brain got merged with Jerry's, but did Rick maroon me by accident or on purpose? Escape remains possible, but increasingly unlikely. And then at this point, he has just a ton of springs and gears. And lady, he, later he's sitting in like a lawn chair outside the garage. Gene comes up to him. He's like, hey, memory Rick, building more sculptures out of springs and gears. And Rick's just like, bleep off, memory gene. And then that was the end. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know what the point <laughs> of, of that was, but that's how it ended. So it was, a, it was a, interesting to see just the whole Rick and Jerry dynamic and how much they hate each other and everything and just like what they became. And um, it, it got a bit extreme, but... That's, I, I guess that's what you got to do. And so it, it was an interesting episode. It was weird, though, hearing Jerry talk to Rick that way because it was really Rick talking through Jerry. and But it was confusing because then Rick's talking like Rick and like Jerry. and Yeah, so it was a little confusing, but not really. All right, now Chucky, season three, episode four, Dressed to Kill. As I mentioned, this is the mid-season finale, which is like, wait, what? It's only been four episodes. How can that be? We'll talk more about that at the end. It starts off October 31st, 4.39 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
there's like a news report mentions a big Halloween ball at the White House. First families honoring the memory of their beloved son, Joseph, who tragically died there last winter. So we, we finally get to see because, you know, my question is like, OK, first of all, we didn't know, really know who Joseph was. And then I was wondering, is Joseph older than Grant or is he younger than Grant? It's like, how, what's the age difference? So we see a picture of him like in a costume. I always say, you know, I'm horrible with ages, like figuring out how old they are. So I don't know. He looked close to Henry's age. So I don't know if they were twins or maybe just somewhere in between. But it must have been pretty close because I, I like so we've had four episodes of of Henry. I have no idea how old Henry's supposed to be. Halloween was always uh, the news report says always Joseph's favorite holiday. Then the, the first lady, you know, she's on, on camera. She mentions that they're going to raise over 10 million dollars for her cause that's extremely important to her husband it's important to her and it should be important to our families blah 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 just like that and we see the clip is actually being watched on the laptop by the first lady and that price guy the cia investigator dude and he's like oh good job and she's like fuck you she's like there's a killer stalking the white house and you're insisting on throwing a party he's like well it's your party he's like you know Oh, canceling it would come across as as anxious you know what would your husband say what would the, the american people say and she's like, well, what if someone else dies? And he's like, well, we'll have to make sure that doesn't happen. He goes over like all the security procedures. You know, everyone's going to be tagged with like a bracelet. You know, there's going to be like some like chip in there or whatever. They'll have eyes on everyone. You know, they'll have cameras going on. They'll have security people in detail. And they'll have people like watching covertly. You know, SWAT people will be watching from other buildings and, and stuff like that. He's like, whoever the killer is, he won't have the balls to show up. And if he does, we'll be ready. So we see Chucky is dressed as Phantom of the Opera. President goes, because uh, I, I think that's what Joseph was dressed as. Um, so the president goes to Henry's room, asks, he's like, are you sure you don't want to join us downstairs, you know, at the party? And Joseph's like, you know, Halloween's when, or he's, he's like, Joseph said that Halloween's when dead people come out to play. And he's like looking at pictures from last Halloween on his phone. The president, you know, he looks at it, he's like, oh, I miss him too. And Henry's like, you don't have to miss him. He's right there. And he points at, you know, the Ch Chucky doll. And then the president's like, well, at least, you know, he's in Hall Halloween spirit. He's like, is that, is that his costume from last year? Henry's like, he just doesn't want anyone to see his face. And the president's like, why not? And Henry's like, he thinks he looks old. And the president's like, he's kind of like, huh? But then he's like, well, if you change your mind, he walks out of the room. And then Chucky moves a bit. And Henry's like, it is a great costume. He's like, you can go down if you want. I'll be all right. He's like, oh, oh, oh. he's like, I'm not going anywhere. But he does get up out of the chair. He's like, and he goes to the window. He's like, they're going to be coming for me and I'll be ready for them. It's perfect. They could be my last three offerings. Then Dumbala will finally be appeased and I'll be free of this curse. And Henry looks at him kind of like, like, what are you talking about? And then he's like, who's coming for you, Joseph? Who's Dumbala? He's like, and what happened to your voice? Because now you know, he's not talking with the, the, the good guy doll voice. He's talking with Chucky voice. He's like, uh, it's an allergic reaction that he had. To, I forget if he said to something. He's like, go tell dad we want to carve a pumpkin, and I'm going to need a real big knife. And there's kind of like an awkward s silence. And Chucky like almost kind of does like a little nervous smile. Then it's 4.59 p.m. Central Standard Time. So we see the prison, uh, a, some prison, three like black trucks come, like two pickups and SUV drive up to the prison. Tiffany exits. She's in high heels. She's got a red dress, sunglasses. She's met by her correctional officer. I forget her name. I don't think we we need to know. And you know she's, but then uh, Tiffany, she because they call her you know Jennifer Tilly. She's like, my name is actually Tiffany Valentine. And the officer's like, you can drop the act. No one bought it. You're not going to win any Oscars here. 
And she's like, I'm not asking, not anymore. I'm Tiffany Valentine. So then the officer takes off Tiffany's sunglasses. She's like, Ms. Tilly, do I have your attention? I'm not guiding you. I'm not escorting you. I'm conducting you. And she's like, oh, like a, like a conductor in an orchestra. She's like, no, like a, I think like a snake charmer and a pit viper or something like that. And she tells her, you know, to follow her. She starts talking about like all the deaths that they've done at the prison over the years, you know, death sentence. And she's like, you don't kill in Texas and not expect to burn. As they walk inside, you know, the inmates are cheering her. And Tiffany's like, oh, it's kind of embarrassing since, you know, I'm not really her. She's like, I pretended to be Jennifer Tilly for years. So I, I did kind of become an actress. And the officer says that they knew her presence would be disruptive. So they arranged uh, like other quarters for her in a special section. So she's like, this, you know, takes her to herself. It's like, this will be your final resting spot until your lethal injection, which happens to be three weeks from today. And Tiffany, you know, she's like, oh, I guess that you'll be my final BFF. And then she asks for like some court mandated risk request that, you know, stuff that she asked for that she's supposed to be entitled to or whatever. And the officer's like, oh, well, yeah, you know, sometimes things get lost in transit. So now it's 6, 17 p.m. Henry and Chucky are sitting downstairs. A butler brings like a pumpkin in the, with a huge knife on a tr tray. Grant asks his parents, he's like, where are your costumes? Because he's got like a black outfit with like a halo. But like, later you see he's, he's got like black wings. So it's to be like a black angel or something. So, then, but mom's like, these are our costumes. And he's like, huh? She's like, JFK and Jackie. Uh, and then Grant tells him, he's like, you look how, like how you always look. And the president's like, well, that's the point. Then they're told guests are arriving. Secret Service brings in this lady dressed as Mary Poppins. And the first lady says, like, this isn't S Susan or, or someone like that. And the Secret Service, like, well, she, you know, she couldn't make it, I think. She's like, this is Annie Gilpin. She's been, you know, fully screened and vetted. And then, you know, she's like, happy Halloween, whatever. And and Henry's like, he says something. I think he says, like, it's like, oh, it's Satan's Day or something like that. And uh, Annie's like, well, it's actually, you know, Halloween's a pagan holiday. So Satan... I forget if she has no power here or something like that. He's like, do you believe in ghosts? And she starts to say that what she believes is when a person dies, they leave an energy behind, you know, and only the most sensitive people can feel it. She herself can. And then the first lady is like, what she means is no. So then uh, she's like, yeah, yeah. So then the president and wife leave. Then Annie's like, oh, who's this other handsome mass fellow? And Henry's like, oh, that's Joseph. And he mentions, you know, carving a pumpkin. And she's like, oh, you know, I'll do the carving. And she picks up the knife in the tray. You know, she goes to like, the other side of the room, and Chucky's like, sure, we'll see about that. Henry's like, Joseph, I'm scared. Do you think Dolly Madison's going to come for us? Chucky's like, you're not too smart, are you? He's like, that's what I love about you. And Henry's just like, hmm? So then Tiffany's shown to rec room. There's an inmate watching Bride of Frankenstein on a small TV. So, uh, so the guard tells Tiffany that that's the rest of the special population. So it's just the two of them. So this is Evelyn Elliott. And she's uh, played by Nia, what's her name, Nia Baldaros or something from My Fat Greek Wedding. So she's there. And um, then Tiffany, like, recognizes her. They, like, recognize each other, and they're both kind of excited or whatever. And Evelyn's like, oh, I finally have someone to talk to. So Tiffany's like, like oh, you're my absolute idol. And she's like, your recipe for Swedish meatballs changed my life. And then she says stuff how she became more organized, whatever. So I think Evelyn's supposed to be kind of like a Martha Stewart type person. You know, she's like some chef cook or something like that. She did something to, to get put in prison. So I'm assuming that's what, what they're, they're going for. And then she asks Evelyn, like, why is she there? And Evelyn's like, well, when I caught my husband and my assistant having an affair, I baked them both into a shepherd's pie. And then, you know, the, the movie's over. 
you know, later, you know, they watch the movie. They talk about how media portrays powerful women. Then Evelyn says that, you know, she's like, well, I've always been a fan of yours, too, ever since The Big Chill. And Tiffany, Jennifer Tilly is like, oh, that was my sister, Meg Tilly, the dead one. I killed her. <laughs> and she's like, I'm Jennifer. And Evelyn's like, you killed your own sister? And she's like, well, then Evelyn stands up and she's like angry. She's like, I had a sister. She was the world to me and I would have done anything for her. So Tiffany like stands up too. And she's like, well, she's, she's not actually my sister. You see, I'm not really Jennifer Tilly. And Evelyn's like, you're disgusting. You're a monster. It's like, when you get that needle, I'm going to be cheering. And it's like, and you know what? It's like bullets over Bridewaves is a piece of poop. And she like walks out of the room. And then Tiffany yells out, it was not. It was a very good movie. I was Oscar nominated, which is weird. It's like, why is she getting so defensive when that's not her? You know, she's not Jennifer. Now it's 8.35 p.m. The kids have arrived at the White House. All three are dressed as, as good guys. And uh, um, so Lexi is wearing like a short skirt with like thigh high stocking so it's supposed to be kind of like the the sexy whatever fill in the blank character uh jake is wearing overalls with like a sleeveless shirt so you know he's showing off his arms he's got like a bandana and a cowboy hat on so i don't know if they're a cowboy good guy devin is just wearing like a regular outfit with a construction hat and like a tool belt so they they talk about how you know they want to do this for miss f which we i don't do we really see any reaction you know wouldn't they be wondering like how she went to talk to them she never came back i mean i guess they put two and two together i guess maybe they figured that chucky killed her but it's weird that there was never any question about you know the fact that she never came back so devin's you know she's like you know miss f she never doubted us about chucky and you know she would want us to go and fudge up chucky so they go through security. Lexi sets off a metal detector, and and she has like some big pin, like you know, holding up because her hair is like up. The guard just like pulls it out of, out of her hair. It's like I don't think they would do that. They just but he just pulls the pin out, and her hair goes down, even though like her costume was set to go up. And she's like, ah. Jake sets off somehow, but then they they take his rope. So it's like, what set off the alarm? Because I don't think a rope would set off the alarm. And then, <laughs> um, then. Devin, he he goes through. I don't. It kind of seemed like he set off the alarm, but then they're like, "Oh, you're good," or something like that. And so Lexi's bound up that they took her pin. She's like, "Oh, the costume's ruined." I don't see how the costume's ruined just because her her. I mean, were there no girl? No, because she's wearing a skirt. So I don't know why her hair would have to be up. And so it's like, why is her costume? And Devin, or, or I think Jake's like, like, "Oh, you're well, you're still hot," or something like that. And, you know, he's just helping her, you know, building up her whatever esteem. Devin's like, well, at least he still has his phone because he's like, you know, if if they get Chucky on film, then they can get the footage out there and or they could like take it to Grant and the president. And Lexi's like, well, no one will believe us. You know, they would say it's a deep fake, you know, special effects. And Jake's like, well, do you have a better idea? She's like, no. So they say, you know, they won't find Chucky here. They need to get upstairs to the you know, residential area. And Lexi's like, leave that to me. So they entered a big ballroom. There's like a band playing. Everyone's dancing. People are in costumes. And then Grant comes up behind Lexi like, boo, you know, tries to scare her. He's like such a dork. And, you know, she's like, oh, you look great. And then he's like, oh, I want you to meet my parents. So the three of them go over. The first lady says that, you know, she's like, oh, I love your outfits. You know, our son Henry, he loves good guys too. And then Devin's like, mine's the best though, right? He does like a little spin. And she's like, very impressive. So they, they talk a bit and stuff. 
and in the the presence he's Chucky in a costume, like in the middle of the ballroom. And, but it's like it looks a little taller than he should be. So it's like, is that really him, or is that coincidentally someone in the same costume? And it's definitely a kid. So he, he excuses himself, but then somehow he loses sight of this little kid, even though he was like in this big like kind of clearing. Then he sees a costume. And again, is like, is it just a random kid? Because it can't be Chucky. He slowly walks up the kid, and then you, you see like the bottom, like underneath the mask. It's it's really like a human. He's like, hello. He's like, that's a nice costume. And he's like, are you lost? But then the kid turns and leaves. I have no idea what that was about. So then, uh, I don't know if, it's, if she's a press secretary, but whoever's like at the, the 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 press conferences, she sees that one reporter, Gretchen, and she, you know, she's I, I think she's with the. Gretchen's with the, or not Gretchen, but the press secretary's with the vice president, maybe. And she's like, oh, Gretchen. She's like, I didn't see your name on the guest list. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? Have me thrown out? And she's like, is that Warren Price? He's like, what's the CIA doing here? And then the guy, which I think is, I don't know if he's the vice president, because I missed that when he was first introduced. But he seems, he never has any security detail around. And I always thought that, like, the vice president and president aren't supposed to be together all the time, especially when things are, when there's danger, because, you know, you want to keep them separated. But then he says something about, it's like, well, you know, that's what a guest list is for or, or something like that. And then she says that, she's like, well, I think I'm going to go buy him a drink. Lexi asks Grant, it's like, oh, where's your brother Henry? And he's like, oh, he's upstairs. He's having some kind of a breakdown. And she's asked, she's like, well, can we see, you know, the residence area? And Grant's like, oh, you know, that's this whole other thing. So you think the protocol of getting you here was difficult. And she's like, well, I sure would love to see your room. Mm-mm-mm. And he's like, yeah, sure, for, you know, for sure. She's like, follow me. So Chucky is apparently watching them from above, like in the ceiling. So way above the, the ballroom, there's like a tiny hole. So he, he drilled a hole, and he's like kind of in the rafters, like between level. I don't, I don't know if there's something above the ballroom or not, but he's like up there. Then he goes back to Henry's room, and Henry's like, you know, what what were you doing down there? And he's like, uh, checking for ghosts. And Henry's like, and? And he's like, well, I think I saw Nixon. Ugh. So then the door starts to open, so Chucky goes slack, just kind of falls over. It's the nanny. That a- Annie, what's her name? Annie the nanny? <laughs> so, and she's holding up the knife like a killer. And she's like, you know, the pumpkin carving knife. She's like, I finished carving the pumpkin. Then she noticed the, the book that Henry's been reading. He's been reading a book about the White House, like from the book, the bookstore. And it's supposed to be like all about the haunted stuff or whatever, things like that. And she's like, I have the same book. You know, and she says like, oh, it's very informative. She's like a very grown book for, you know, a kid your age. And he says, that, or she's like, your mom must be proud. And he's like, well, she's been trying to take the book away. And then Annie's like, well, yeah, she seemed uncomfortable with the supernatural when, you know, when they're talking about the ghosts. And she's like, have you seen something? And she's like, you know, if you have, you can tell me. And meanwhile, she just put like the dirty pumpkin knife, like on the bed, like on the bed sheets. And it's like right next to Chucky, who's, you know, again, leaning over on the bed. She mentions that, you know, she's seen, you know, ghosts of different presidents. She, she, she mentions like three or four different presidents, including Lincoln. And Henry kind of cringes a little bit. And she's like, oh, what? you know, ghosts aren't anything to be scared of. And he's like, what do they want? And she's like, well, you know, they're mostly bored. They just want to play. You know what? We should play. And she's like, I'll be in. I'll count to 10. So he runs out of the room to go hide. And, you know, she's got her eyes covered. She uncovers her eyes and gets up. And guess what? The knife is gone. And so is Chucky. So um, Grant is giving Jake, Devin, and Lexi a, a tour. They're like in the light, like living room area. And Lexi's like, what's this way? He's like, oh, you read my mind. 
And again, keep in mind, Grant's like this big dork. He, he reminds me of Roderick from Di the Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies, the, the original movies. So then he tells Jake and Devin, it, it's weird because it's like he's such a dork, but he's like he thinks he's a, a tough guy, a cool guy too. So he tells Jake and Devin, he's like, don't touch anything. And then they walk off. And then Jake finds a corkscrew on a table. So he, he takes it. And uh, Devin looks at like classified blueprints on his phone. He's like, maybe they're in Henry's room. So they're going to go check it out. Um, in Grant's room, he shows her like the sound system. There's like speakers all over. He puts like some music and I, I don't know what it was, but it, I didn't care for it. <laughs> it's like some dance music. And, you know, then he grabs something, pretends to be singing. He does like some lame dancing too. And, you know, he like, goes up to her and she's like, oh, are we doing this? He's like, like, yeah, dance with me. And then, you know, they're dancing a bit. Then he puts a halo on her. And then he, then he gets up on the bed and starts like jumping on the bed. I'm like, what the heck are you doing? and she's even kind of looking at him and she's like uh, he's like we're in the white house you know have some fun and she's it's like well you know i'm more of a blue oyster cult fan and he's like oh blue oyster cult he's like you got layers whatever so she grabs his phone and then she puts on she's like this is my favorite song of course don't fear the reaper it's like the, if, if you can only name one song that's like the one song that you can name and and you know she's like you know me and my dad used to listen to this all the time and then he's like, well, you know, I have no idea what my dad likes, except for the American people. And she says, you know, parents can be complicated. Then he's like, he's like, you said you haven't seen your sister since last Christmas, right? And she nods. And she's like, your brother passed almost a year ago? He's like, yeah. And she's like, oh, it's weird how we're both in a know how much life can suck club. And he's like, yeah, the kids at school don't get it. You know, it's it's weird, but you know, I kind of envy them in a way. He's like, meeting you has been a relief, you know, for me. And then then he apologizes, like, oh, it's Halloween. He's like, we should be having a good time. So he gets up from, you know, because they're sitting on a bed. He gets up, but then she pulls him down and she starts kissing him. And then he then he's like starts like kissing her neck, and she's just like, you can see she's like not into it. She's just like looking up, like letting him do this because she's obviously buying time for Jake and Devin, which is just like ill. They're going through the halls, and of course, Chucky like runs behind them, and you know, of course, they don't see him or hear him or anything like that. They go to Henry's room, they go in there, they look under the bed, they look in the bathroom, look in the closet, nothing. It's like, where are they? Tiffany gets taken back to her cell, and then you see there's like a big like bin that says Jen uh, J Tilly or whatever like that. So she opens it. There's a voodoo's for dummies in there so she's excited and there's like i think like maybe four like very crude dolls so she takes one and she uh, oh when um evan evelyn left after she got mad at her she put out her she just dropped her cigarette in like an ashtray and jennifer tilly decided to take it so she takes a doll out she takes evelyn's cigarette but the, and then it's like what is she gonna do with that we see evelyn <laughs> this was ridiculous she's kind of giving like a cooking class to other inmates and at the same time, Tiffany's working on a doll. She ties a cigarette to hand, and she starts chanting to Dumbala. There's, like, lightning outside, which, I mean, would be kind of freaky if it was, like, not a, in the forecast. Evelyn's, like, about to cut some, I think, basil or something like that, and then Tiffany makes her, like, chop, like, like very jerk, you know, jerky chop, and she's controlling Evelyn. And then she makes her put her left hand down, and she starts doing the, you know, poke, knife pokes between the fingers, and she's going, like, super fast. And then... She makes a knife go up to her throat, and a guard pulls out her gun. They're like, Evelyn, what are you doing? And the inmates, inmates are, like, shocked. And, and then Tiffany makes her, like, start cutting, and they're like, Evelyn, stop. What are you doing? And she's like, I can't. And then Tiffany tries making her, like, stab her, like, in the face, but, but Evelyn's, like, ducking, like, left and right. And then she makes her cut her wrist um, 
horizontally. So not the way you're, you're quote unquote supposed to, if you're trying to, you know, whatever, don't do it either way. And then, you know, she does it like a, a few more times, just like, you know, <laughs> she stabs herself in the butt too. And then she pulls out a carrot peeler, you know, so does her little like kind of skinny thing. And she holds up her, her other hand and then and it starts like just filleting, you know, peeling her fingers. And then, then she makes it, which is weird. It's like, how can, this is the ridiculous part. How can Tiffany make her pick up a, how does she know that there's a carrot peeler there to pick up? Cause she's not, she's in her cell. So it's kind of ridiculous that she's able to do all this stuff specifically that she makes her walk over to grill and she puts her face like, you know, her cheek on, on the grill. And then she, she keeps continuing walking, puts her hand kind of like in a big, you know, pizza oven or something sort of oven. And then she bangs her head hard against the wall. And then there's like a big vat of like boiling water makes her like dunk her head in there. She's there for a few seconds. She comes up, face is all bloated and red. And like, I think like an eye like pops out and everything like that. And then she falls over. And all the inmates in the guard were just like in shock. Like no one's doing anything because it's like, what is going on? Okay, now it's 9, 10 p.m. Jake, Devin, and Lexi, they, they like rush down the stairs. And, you know, Grant comes after him. He's like, what's going on? And she says that, oh, we just want to get back to the party. And he's like, but you just begged me to go upstairs. He's like, I thought we, I thought we were having a moment. And she's like, we were, but, you know, we need to see, you know, or he's, we need to see to your, your brother and his doll or something like that. And then they show up and Grant's like, well, you can see for yourself. Or I think she said, you need to see to your brother and this doll or something like that. So they're there now. Devin takes out his phone and he's like, oh, cool doll. And Chucky's like actually holding a knife behind Henry's back, which other people would see that. Wouldn't they be kind of curious? And Chucky's like, hi, I'm Joseph. And Jake's like, Joseph. And Henry's like, yeah, it's my brother. And Grant's like, you use me to get inside. You're just like everyone else. And then he tells Devin, he's like, turn your camera off. And Lexi's like, where's Caroline? And Henry's like, who's Caroline? And then Grant grabs the phone out of Devin's hand. And of course, the power goes out. And it's Secret Service. They, they grab Grant. Henry calls off. He's like, Joseph. He's like, Joseph's gone. President and First Lady, they're, you know, they're about to be taken you know, by Secret Service. But then the president maybe sees Chucky. You know, he, he starts to follow. And then he sees him sitting in a chair. And he's like, Joseph? He spins the chair, picks up the doll, which is, it is a doll this time, and the lights go back on. So then Jake, Devin, and Lexi arrive. Henry comes up and takes Joseph. He's like, oh, I was so scared. President Henry get taken away. The three try following whatever. And then Annie, the nanny, she's, she says that, she's like, I can see them, all of them. She's probably talking about ghosts and stuff like that. And then there's like this humongous chandelier like in the middle of the ballroom it kind of starts shaking and this big bolt falls like right by annie's feet and she like picks it up looks at it then there's some creaking everyone looks up and then the chandelier falls jake has to like tackle dev into safety and then maybe i don't know how many maybe it's like nine people including annie they get smashed by the chandelier and right right away like immediately there's like a big pool of blood that starts like kind of flowing out and it turns out that Gretchen, the reporter, was was there. She's kind of like cut in half, like her lower like body is like gone, and her contestants are stick and stuff are sticking out. And she picks up her camera, which probably I mean looks like it was just like a cheap prop. Maybe it was a real camera, or was there actual film? And she takes a picture of herself, and then she dies. It's like whoa, I don't know. Was that supposed to be funny? I don't know. 
then it looks like it's Annie. She actually, maybe she survived. She starts to get up, but then wait, maybe not. Because then you see her face, it starts to fall off. It, it completely falls off. So somehow her face got cut perfectly and you just see like underneath and she just like falls over. And then uh, Jake, Devin and Lexi are like, they're looking um, for, for towards like where Chucky's at. And for some reason, Henry turns and then Joseph or Chucky's like, ha ha ha, I like to be hugged. Then there's like a flashback to Chucky loosening the bolts like when he was up in the roof part. Family's taken upstairs. The three kind of followed to the stairs, and as they're going up the stairs, Chucky Joseph's like, Heidi ho, ha ha ha. But again, it's not saying it with the right inflection, but whatever. So the three kind of look at each other because, you know, there's nothing to do. They can't go upstairs. So then Tiffany has brought a tray of food, and she's like, What was a commotion earlier? I hope everything's okay. She's like, uh, Then she's like, did, did Evelyn cook this? And the guard's like, No. And then she's like, What's for dessert? And the guard leans forward, spits her gum. There's like some like pinto or like whatever beans on, on her part of the tray. And she's like, juicy fruit. So then uh, Tiffany seems happy because now she can make a doll using the gum, right? She goes to work, chance again. <laughs> so I guess Dumball is like, sure, yeah, whenever you want. Just, you know, say it, send, do a chant. I'll grant your power, do what you want. So somehow she makes a guard come back and she like sheepishly apologized for being rude earlier. So I don't know how she can make a doll do this, it, uh, whatever. And then Tiffany corrects her, it's Miss Valentine. And the guard's like, is there anything I can do for you? And she's like, when I came in, I counted six guards and you know I want you to get a personal item from each one. So I guess she has more than six dolls. I thought she only had like four or whatever. So Chucky's staring out a win window. He's like, almighty Dumbala. I've given you 13 sacrifices, seven more than you asked for. He starts chanting, clouds like go over the moon, there's lightning, and then the clouds go away. And Chucky goes to the mirror, takes off the Phantom of the Opera mask. He has like a wig on too, apparently. He looks, he's still got hair, but not as much. He looks more, almost more like Gollum than Chucky. I mean, not quite that, that much, but almost. He punches the mirror. I mean, he's got some strength for a little doll. He's like, Dumbala, why have you forsaken me? Then Henry comes in and sees him. He's like, Joseph, what's wrong? Are you sick again? So maybe Joseph had some sort of cancer or something like that. You know, because again, we, they haven't told us. And Chucky yells, I'm fudging dying. And that's where it ends. So apparently, and then it's like season three, part two, Chucky will return. He's not dead yet. And when's he returning? 2024. I'm like, geez, Louise. So yeah, we're, you know, October November, December, so is it January? There's, there's no dates. So um, I don't know how long we have to wait. <laughs> but it just seems weird. I mean, I guess, you know, having four episodes now is better than nothing. I'm fine with that. You know, I would rather get a few episodes now than have to wait until 2024 for everything because then it would be like over a year or not quite. When was it? Was it a year ago? I don't remember. But it was a, it was an okay episode. Uh, so, yeah, what, what's up with... With uh, oh, we we see a bunch of clips, or a bunch of scenes from what's coming up, because um, you know Tiffany only has three weeks, but it looks like that's not going to be a problem. And I mean, there, there's I I debated like watching the clip again because a lot of the clips were like super short and like fast, but I was like, is this or is there a lot of spoilers here? So I try not to pay too much attention to, or, but it, again, it seemed like there was a lot there, so it's kind of crazy.
All right, then Loki, Season 2, Episode 4, Heart of the TVA. And this is a great example why weekly shows, it's, it's great. It, you know, you, you're left with this big cliffhanger and it's like, what the fudge? You're like, what, what is going on? And then you, you're left waiting. And I, 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 like, I even saw, you know, an an article like that cliffhanger. What is, what's that mean? It's, it's, if it wasn't, if it was all dropped at once, you wouldn't get an article like that saying what could happen. What, you know, no one's going to be talking about it because the entire show, the entire season, whatever is out and you already know. So I just, I do not understand, not just because of my selfish reasons where I want things, you know, little by little, so it's easier to cover in a podcast. I just think it takes away the excitement. And, and you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I hate cliffhangers. No, you don't hate cliffhangers. You just don't really like being left in suspense because it leaves you on the edge of your seat. That is the point. Anyways, so it starts, it's weird because it's, it starts off like, wait, are we traveling through like timeline? What's going on? And we see the branches and it, then it turns out we're at the end of time. So Ms. Min is like, he wasn't always alone. There's something you have to see. And then she goes by to like this big screen, whatever. And she tells Renslayer just watches, but then she watches like on a smaller look. It almost looks like a, like a picture frame, but then there's like a digital playback in there. So we see he who remains talking to someone. It's like, wait, who is, who's that talk to? And you're like looking out the window at like all the time stuff, whatever. He's actually talking to Renslayer. I think she's like a utopia at the end of time. He's like, for us, for all time. And she's like, always? Ravona Renslayer, you are quite a marvel. So this is that from that recording. I will be proud to lead with you. You made a difference in this war. Thank you for being on my team. And then she opens like a time door. And she's like, the TVA awaits our commands. Shall we go? I'll catch up. It's a long road. See you soon. And then she goes, and then he repeats, always. Then he calls up Miss Minutes. Hey, boss. Fancy game of chess? Not today. Pull up. Protocol 42. And Miss Minutes is like, is it time? Erase her memories. Are you sure? Erase all their memories. If you say so. And then alone, he whispers, I'm sorry. And then the video ends. And Renslayer's like, I was here. And Miss Minutes is like, yes, I helped win. You didn't just help. It was you who commanded the army. So he built this little tower. And while he sat in his throne, I continued to do all the work to keep him there. Well, something like that. And then Renslayer's like, so what are you proposing? That we don't need him. Maybe we never did. So I don't really, I don't know. I'm not sure quite what that means. So then we see Victor rhymes. He he goes through the time door. He's like he's at the war room at the TVA because you know there's big towers. He doesn't see that the, the his faces behind him, and he's like the TVA. And then he turns, he sees the images, and he goes out in the hall, and it's, it's like, wait, where is everyone? So I guess everyone's dealing with all the time stuff that's about to explode, maybe. And Victor sees like the mural with the Kangs and the timekeepers on the wall, whatever. Then B fifteen comes up, and she's like, "Are you?" He's like, "Hello." And Loki and Mobius come down the hall. He kind of gets defensive. And he's like, just stop. And Mobius like, it's okay. And Victor's like, what do you want with me? And Loki's like, come with us and we'll show you. And he's like, that didn't sound as reassuring as you hoped it would. And then Mobius like, listen, Professor. I can only imagine what Renslayer and Miss Minutes have been saying about us. But it's not true. Unless it's something good. 
It's like, here's the deal. You have to trust us, and we don't have time. I'm from Chicago, friend. The shadyocracy capital of the world. I don't trust anyone. And then someone else comes like, oh, it's a party? And he's like, hello. So Sylvia arrives. He's like, come over to marry her. And you all want me? Ms. Ravona wants me? That effervescent clock lady monster thing wants me? I should have some say. And Moby's like, I don't disagree. And then there's a big rumbling. The lights dim and like clicker. Is that my loom? Loki's like, yes, that's your loom. And you're the only one who can help us fix it. And he's like, well, la-di-da. So B-15 talks to that like older judge lady. And Docs is like, apparently she's still alive. So she's in holding with the others. And they're like, you know, we can't keep them there forever. And she's like, I know what we would have done in the past. Prune them all. It's simple, clean, efficient. And B-15 like, is that what we do now? And he's like, I don't know. But someone told me that the TVA has to change, and it has to change now. And she's like, so we forgive and forget? And the judge is like, she's a general at a TVA, and she wants to protect it at all costs. That was her mission. And it can be, again, if you can convince her that this new version is worth protecting, too. b 15s like, I don't think it'll change anything. And she's like, don't be too sure of that. You know, your words changed me. So Victor's asked, so I built all this, or I will, and I did? Loki's like, almost you, but not quite you. So he just wants to, you know, take a look outside. They tell him that, you know, they don't have time. Mobius like, you know, he's he's here to solve one of many problems. He's like, then you're free to wander around all you want. In the control room, Casey says that the loom will still overload. Obi says that, you know, he's like, he doesn't understand. You know, they've adjusted everything that they can adjust. The others come in. Loki introduces Victor to KC and Obi. Victor stops when he sees Obi because his picture was in his book. And Loki's like, Ouroboros? And he's like, Ouroboros. And he's like, yeah, that's me. You wrote the TVA handbook? He's like, well, I did. But I learned everything I know from a brilliant 19th century investor named Victor Timely. If he had the resources, he would have been bigger than Einstein. And then he like looks at the book. Then he looks at Victor. Wait, what did you say your name was? He's like, Victor. And then he's like, oh. And Loki's like, so if your work is based on his work, and his work is based on your work. And then uh, Moby's like, exactly. He's like, which came first? Obi's like, it's like a snail eating its own tail. Victor's like, Mr. Ouroboros, would you inscribe my handbook? Only if you inscribe mine. I was living in your engineering descriptions. Me? The way you explain the electric bypass system? Poetry. Just poetry. And Sylvie's like, sorry to break up this bromance, but... Can we fix now and sign later? And Obi says that they have a good plan, pretty good plan. You know, he 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 made a mock-up of the loom. He's like, forget the shoddy and slapdash work. It's not, it's not to scale. It's like, and it's only got one coat of paint on there. He's like, I haven't been able to carve out figures represent all of us. It looks like a pretty dang perfect model of like the entire room and the big gangway and the, it's like it's it's amazing. The loom is is like wheeled out, whatever thing, and he's like. I'm honestly embarrassed that Victor's here to see it. Uh, Moby's like, I think you're being hard on yourself. He's like, it looks great. So Loki's like, all right, what's the plan? So he's like, one of us will have to take our throughput multiplier down the gangway, load the throughput multiplier into the launcher, then they'll need to hit the green button and launch it toward the loom. It will dock with the loom where it will scale the loom's capacity to manage the breaking of the branches that we created when... Someone killed he who remains and released all those branches ruined my life. And Sylvie just smiles, kind of like, yep. And Loki's like, hang on, 
What's the connection between the throughput multiplier and the loom? Casey says that the rings of the loom aren't wide enough. And so he's like, we need to make rings bigger so more branches can fit through. But there's one gigantic problem. There is much, much more temporal radiation through here and like in the, the gangway area than when you went out there, Mobius. And he's like, more? Okay, well, I mean, Loki's really going to have to, you know, hoof it to then, right? And Loki's like, hang on. He's like, why, why is it suddenly me that has to hoof it? And Loki's like, hang on a second. Why is it suddenly me having to hoof it? And Moby's like, well, because it's your turn. Says who? Why? Why is it suddenly me? So Mobius picks up a model figure. He's like, well, because clearly this isn't me. Just because it isn't you, it isn't me. And Obi's like, listen, guys. So they continue arguing with her shape of the figure and it's wearing a helmet and all this like that. And then Obi's like, uh, it doesn't matter who it is. It's doable. And Sylvie's like, okay, great. Let's do this. Casey says there's another problem. And, and Obi's like, the, the whole plan is only theoretical because our throughput multiplier does not yet work. And Loki's like, why? And Victor's like, wait, let me guess. The loom's temporal decay outpaces your multiplier's throughput cap capabilities. I had the same problem with my loom until I made this. And he pulls out that sphere thing, that last thing that he was working on. It's a prototype still. And then Obi's like, integrating them, if that would even work, would take a long time. Mr. Ouroboros, if anyone can, it's you and me. So the others leave. Mobius is like, all right, let's have a little pie while we wait. And Sylvie's like, pie? What's the matter with you? You dragged me back here begging for help, so you must have some idea what's happening. Everything is turning to poop, and you want to leave it to them while we go and have some pie? And Loki's like, Sylvie, wait. And she's like, no, I won't wait. She's like, come on, let's go and get some pie. Why not? It's a great idea. Does it matter that the branches are dying? Clocks don't tick at the TVA, do they? He's like, you found out you're a variant, and you haven't even looked, have you? She's saying this to Mobius. It's just another bad day at the office for you. Timelines are just lines on a monitor. Doesn't matter if a few disappear, because you've never bothered to look if one of them was yours. Who cares if a few just disappear? Enjoy your pie. And she leaves, and like kind of Loki follows, and then Mobius is just standing there alone. So we see Brad, you know, so he's in holding. He's like, so you going to say anything? And, you know, he's talking to Docs. And he's like, all right, everyone, listen up. We don't have the we any weapons. We don't really have the numbers, obviously. But I think if we put our heads together and if we just try to figure this out, we can get out of here, get out of this room, and we can get back to our lives, huh? He's like, I believe it was Galileo or, or Winston Churchill. Or And Docs asks, like, will you just cut the poop? So he yells that he doesn't want to die in here. And she's like, oh, really? And she's like, well, it seemed like you gave up when you sold out our plan. Brad's like, hmm? He's like, I, I didn't know you knew that. And she's like, oh, yes, we know all about your escapades as an actor, Brad. And he's like, okay, I earned my life. I think we all earned our lives, huh? And the docs, he's like, don't you think you earned your life? And she's like, no, no. Then B-15 comes in and Doc says that you know she has no authority to keep them there. B-15 kind of gives her a look. And she's like, I don't want any of this. And I certainly don't want to be talking to you. But I know you care about the TVA. And I know you want to protect it. That's the only reason I'm here. And Doc's like, what do you want? You know, kind of like in an accusing way. And B-15's like, your help. You and your Minutemen. If we have to fight to defend this place from Renslayer or worse, can we trust you? And, and Doc's just looks at her. She's like, you're serious. So B-15's like, help us. We'll talk. And she's like, how can I trust you? 
B-15 is like, we may not see eye to eye in most things, but I care about this place, these people. So do you. Trust that. So B-15 leaves to give them time to mold that over. And then a dude with her, I don't know if it's B-5 or X-5 or someone someone else, I forget, something. He's like, well, what if they don't go for it? And she's like, look, she's like, just, just go help Mobius keep an eye on Timely. There's another big rumble. Sylvie ended up in a cafeteria and there's like a bunch of slices of key lime pie in her. And she's like, oh, are you serious? You know, she, she can't, can't believe it. Loki walks in and kind of defensively, she's like, I took a wrong turn. I didn't plan on coming to pie land. And, and then he doesn't say anything. Then she's like, say it then. He's like, about Mobius. There's another big rumble. He's just trying to see in the dark like the rest of us. And so we're clear. I asked for your help and you walked away. And she's like, just so we're clear. No, I didn't. I'm here, aren't I? Again, you're only here because you couldn't kill him. And she's like, yeah, I couldn't kill him. Couldn't do it. Tyler just looked so scared. He who remained wasn't scared. You know, maybe he was and I just didn't notice. Loki's like, some years ago, my brother was banished from Asgard and sent to Earth. And when he came back, he was different, changed somehow. I thought it was weakness. I mocked him, said he had gone soft. And Sylvie kind of whispers, soft gets you killed. Loki's like, listen, Sylvie, you spared Timely's life. And because of that, the TVA and those timelines will survive. Those people will survive. You spared their lives too. So she's like, you're putting a lot of faith in those three back there. There's another rumble. And she's like, don't forget Docs. She's part of the TVA. All those dead branches, those dead people, that's all the TVA's fault. And Loki's like, what about those branches that are still living? That's because of Mobius and B-15 and those guys back there, Obi and Casey. And she's like, well, what if you're wrong? What if, what if you're wrong to believe that this place can be any better? What if I was wrong to spare him? Would it just be easier to burn this place down and start from scratch? And Loki's like, sure, burn it down. Easy. Annihilating is easy. Raising things to the ground is easy. Trying to fix what's broken is hard. Hope is hard. Then she's like, okay, so Timely can save the TVA. Then we hope that the TVA can turn into something good. Then we hope that Timely doesn't turn into he who remains or someone worse. There's a lot of hoping, Loki. He's like, I didn't have you down you know, as, you know, as an optimist. And he's like, this is the best option we have. And she's like, so you're just going to bring him behind the curtain, show him all of this, and then just send him home? Maybe that's a good thing. We can watch him, protect him. And she's like, interfere for good? heard that one before you can't just give people free will and then just walk away that's not how things work now for better or worse the timelines are free it's up to us to protect them it's up to us to do better than he who remains and she's like sounds like whatever we do we're playing god and he like sighs we are gods and he walks out it's weird you know i i find i i love it but it's weird how loki's so committed to the tva now he's like he's just he really believes in this cause and and i think that's that's great you know loki is as a villain eh, you know it's just you know the whole mustache twirling thing i i i really like him having this purpose and and the thing that people are like oh that's not loki is so weird it's out of character but he's a variant you know he he escaped when you know the avengers caught him in the first movie first avengers movie Anyway, so Brad, he's like, they're going to, you know, prune us the minute that they don't need us. You know, TVA prunes traitors. He's like, we need a backup plan. And Doc says that B-15 has integrity. She's like, I don't need to agree with her to know that. And he's like, I don't trust B-15. So I, but then a time door suddenly opens. 
and Renslayer walks in somehow. It's like, wait, how is she able to do that? I, I maybe, you know, when Sylvie sent her to the far future and the time, she didn't realize that she still had, maybe she didn't know that Miss Minutes was with her or she had the temp pad. I don't know. Uh, Doc's asks her, is like, where's B-15? And Renslayer says, she's setting this in her in place, her plan to control the TVA. It's like, if we work together, we can stop her, protect this place. And Doc says that the only thing Ravona wants to protect, she's like, the only thing we want to protect is yourself. Then she looks at Miss Minutes. She's like, and you, this is really disappointing, I must say. And she's like, I know, I'm working on myself. So then Renslayer's like, the temporal loon is imploding. I've been gone mere days, and this place is hours away from becoming a crater in the cosmos. Because, of course, it's all about her. You know, it's all falling apart because she's not there, right? Driven into the ground by two variants. Is this what you want? And Brad asks, he's like, well, what's your plan then? And she's like, anyone who joins me right here, follows me out that door, helps me restore stability to the TVA, will have a life on the timeline if they want it. And Brad gives Docs like a pleading look. And then Ravona, you know, Docs doesn't say anything. So she kind of sighs at Docs. And she's like, I thought you could see the bigger picture. And then Miss Minutes pops, you know, back. She, because she like opened, or she like, I think she turned on that cube smasher thing because she went back. She did something. I thought she opened another door, but she must have just turned that machine on that's still in her. And Doc's like, for the first time, I finally am seeing the bigger picture. So then Ravona says to Brad that, you know, he made an impressive splash in the timeline. Doesn't he want that life back? And Docs tries, you know, getting his attention. It's like, X5, Bradley, look at me. Life on the timeline was that good? Then they all get placed in like a giant cube thing. You know, it's like placed around them except for Brad. And Doc's like, how does it feel knowing that all of us here would rather die than follow you out that door? Hmm? So Ravona gives an almost like a pouting look. And then all of a sudden the rest start screaming. You know, we don't see it, thankfully, I guess, you know, because it's a PG-13 show and we don't want to see people getting smooshed. But then there's like screaming and Ms. Minutes uh, this is like creepy. She's almost smiling like in fascination. Brad just like closes his eyes tightly and like cringes. It's it's over in moments, so at least it's not too prolonged. And then Ravon is like, let's go, X5. Victor, Obi, and Casey work to fit the sphere thing onto the other device, whatever. Mobius comes in to see how it's going. Victor w wonders um, what he's drinking because he has a, a cup. And he's like, a little Mobius pick-me-up courtesy of the hot cocoa machine. Casey comments that he's like, oh, that's weird. Diagnostics just went down. And Victor is still like focused on the hot cocoa. He's he's like, he's like, you have a machine for that? So Obi, he borrowed uh, Mobius's temp pad. And he's like, it's not connecting either. And Mobius becomes concerned. But Victor is still going on about the hot cocoa machine. And then, you know, so they're trying to figure out what's going on. And Hunter, I think it was D90, doesn't matter. He's like, well, I can take him, you know, to the machine. B15 steps into holding room. And then she's kind of shocked. She's just like like frozen because I guess she's probably seeing everyone smushed or dead, whatever. She pulls out her temp pad, but then she gets access denied. She tries it again, and a, like a crude digital Ms. Minutes appears and like, uh-uh-uh. So Victor, he gets a cup of, you know, it finally finishes dripping. He gets his cup of, of hot cocoa. He's about to drink it, but then he offers it to D90 because he's just like standing there looking at him. And he like shakes his head. But then he takes it. So so it's like, has he never had hot cocoa? I mean, maybe he's not allowed because he's just a hunter, soldier, whatever you want to call it. So he um he he starts he takes it and 
Um, he has a big smile. Victor kind of like snaps. He turns back to the machine. I guess he's going to get another one. But then you see D90 smile kind of turns into like anguish and pain. He gets pruned from behind. And we see Brad is standing there with like a, that's the prune baton. The cup falls to the floor and just hot cocoa spills in there. And then Brad kind of whispers, he's like, I'm sorry. And Victor is just like they're quivering, like, and, and like, you know, he's like, what the heck now? And Brad's like, where's the device? So Obi's typing on a computer. He says all Mobius files are being corrupted in real time. He's like, did you download unauthorized games again? He's like, no. He's like, I'm not going to make that mistake twice. He's like, yours wasn't working either. Then Ms. Minutes like, uh-uh-uh. Obi's like, oh, it's Miss Minutes. She's taking control of the systems. And so he's like, so that's why the system's not working? He's like, grab the multiplier. Let's get timely. They get to the, the, the machine. They see the spilled cocoa. And the prune baton is like on the floor too. So I guess Brad just dropped it. Loki and Sylvie show up. And Mobius tells him that timely's gone. And Ms. Minutes is back. So B-15 gets off the elevator and tells him that Docs and her team are dead. And she figures it's got to be Renslayer. So is the multiplier ready? And Obi's like, theoretically, I haven't had time to test it yet. He's like, but without Timely, it doesn't matter. Without his aura, I can't open the blast doors. He's like, we're locked. So Mobius says that they got to find out who took him back to the, the timeline. Because, you know, where else would they have gone? Loki picks up the baton. He's like, no, Renslayer doesn't want him. She wants a TBA. They're still here. So Brad brings Timely into this like big conference room. It makes him sit in front of Renslayer. Then he sees Ms. Minutes as, as well. And he and so Victor's like, thank God you're both okay. Miss Ravona. And she's like, I'm done listening to your lies. It's like, you're going to talk when I say you can. And only then. Right now, you're going to tell us where to find your device. He kind of pauses, pauses a moment. And he, he takes his copy of his book out, like, out of his pocket, whatever, puts on the table. And if you don't like what I have to tell you, and she's like, then X5 here is going to find a very thorough, incredibly painful way to kill you. And he's like, it's a very small box. He's like, ladies, I think you're going to like what I have to say. There's more rumblings. Loki and Sylvie run to an elevator and it's opening like super slowly. And you see like a camera kind of turns to them. And then um, Sylvie, like finally she gets inside, but then the door closes with Sylvie in there. And as it's close, you know, she's like, the clock is, is trying to slow us down. She's like, take the stairs. She like yells through the doors. So Loki runs out. Mobius, B-15, Obi, and Casey go to the control room. And like the blasts from outside are like really loud. Loki, he has that, I, I, I'm assuming it's the same detector thing that he had before. So he, it's, it's still red. So that means that there's still time. Uh, the place is like chaos. Everyone's panicking. The announcement over to the you know, speaker saying, you know, report to your nearest uh, time door evacuation point. And then the, the elevator with Sylvie stops. So she's still in the elevator. And Miss Minutes, like, there's like access denied, access denied. So Sylvie rips open the panel to, to some, and she's like, starts fiddling with the wires. So apparently she knows how to do that, like that. And she's like, pretty tech savvy. So I don't, is she talking to me? Cause I'm like, wait, how does she know how to do that? And the elevator starts up. So it's like, okay, you just hook these two wires up and it's gonna work. Loki's now in this empty hall. Then the, the device thing turns green. So does that mean it? They need to plug in the multiplier. I don't know. He looks around, and then there's like a phone ringing in the distance. Sylvie's elevator stops, but it doesn't open. So she's like trying to pry open the door. Loki gets the elevator door, but there's another Loki with a coat on and the prune baton in his hand. So it's like I'm trying now. I'm trying to remember. Now that I think about it, it's like which one did he have his coat on here? Because the one at the elevator doesn't have a coat on he's just wearing like the you know the, the uniform shirt 
And so, you know, he like starts walking up behind the, the one at the elevator slowly. Sylvie pries open the door. She sees Loki. She's like, there you are. And then Loki grimaces and he starts to dissolve. So he got pruned. But then the other Loki's standing there with the baton. And she like stares. So Loki just pruned himself. It's like, wait, what the heck is going on? What does this mean? And she's just like staring at him in disbelief. And he's just kind of like nods a little, like slowly. And he's like, I promise you this will make sense. And she's like, huh? But then the phone keeps ringing. So they, they walk up to the phone slowly. He picks it up. He's like, hello? So it's Obi. And he's like, it's about time. It's like, what are, what's taking you guys so long? He's like, Obi? Miss Minutes is sabotaging everything, slowing us down. He's like, I could take her offline if I reboot the system. But then, you know, Moby's like, like yeah, do it. He's like, but we'll lose the entire safety system. And he's like, so what? It's like, what are we going to lose? He's like, well, the security protocol will go down. He's like, like what? Like the dampeners that prevent people from using magic at the TVA? We would have to turn them off too. Loki and Sylvie hear that over phone and they both yell, turn it off. Victor shows um, his book. He's like, this is where the multiplier goes. He's like, they haven't much time. Brad's like, he's stalling. The light starts flickering. And Miss Minutes, she's like, that isn't an, another power surge. And she's like, I'm going to investigate. And then, then she's like, someone's tr trying to reboot the s -s 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 system. I c c can't access it. I'm being lock 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 locked out. <laughs> and so she's like stuttering. And Victor's like, well, mocking is, it just isn't necessary. Because he stutters a lot. But she's not doing that on purpose. Renslayer says, like, they're up to something. And Minnesota says that they're taking her offline. So she's losing her cognitive facilities. She only has moments left. And she's like, Victor, I need to tell you. Tell you. And there's, like, whirring and stuttering. Then she gets, like, dark and serious. Her voice is a little lower. You'll never be him. And it's like, whoa. Because, I mean, it was kind of, kind of, kind of freaky. So there's whirring and stirring. And then, um... So the lights go dim permanently. Then Renslayer tells Brad to go on. He goes out in the hall. He can barely see anything. He hears something. He like spins around. He's like walking slowly. Turns on his prune machine, and it's like kind of loud. His baton is like as it powers up. So he he's he. And then you hear Loki's like, "What do you say, X Five? Fancy a rematch?" And he like he gets ready, to, you know, to like fight him with the the baton. But then Sylvie pops out from the side and is like behind him. She touches his forehead, does her magic on him. So the, the lights go back on. Then Brad pops back into the conference room. And Ravona's like, what's going on? And he goes up to her. He's like, he's like come over here. So he, he takes her to like the other side of the, the big conference table, like away from Victor. He's like, I didn't think I'd see you again so soon. And then Loki and Sylvie run in to grab Victor. And then Brad prunes Renslayer. And I was like, what? You know, because she's, she's like the, the big nemesis now you know she's she's causing all the problems and and they just wiped her out in the hall victor's like which way wizard he's like you saved my life and he's like time for you to return the favor let's go this with brad the spell wears off and he's just kind of like looks around the room like what's going on in the control room they say that the multipliers is waiting in airlock they just need to, to scan mr timely's aura first so they can get the blast doors open and you know so he just needs to put his head in the scanner and he's like is that safe and Obi's like, well, I haven't tested it, you know, theoretically. And Loki's like, it'll be all right. You'll be fine. So he takes off, you know, Mobius like, I'll, I'll take your glasses. He sticks his head in this thing and then zoom, zoom. And that's it. Male automated voice is like, welcome, he who remains. The blast shields, like the metal shutters over the windows open up. Looking out the windows, Obi's like, it's like oh, it's worse than I thought. He's like, well, I need to move fast. So who's it going to be? And Loki's like, I'll do it. I'll put the suit on. And then Victor's like, wait, it should be me. And Loki's like, no, you don't have to do this. 
but I do, something wrong could happen. And I know how to th throughput multiplier works. Obi's like, okay, okay. He's like, no time to argue. He's like, okay, suit up. When the door's open, get down to gangway as fast as you can, load the multiplier, launch it, and get back. Got it? He's like, got it. And he's like, time to be brave. And he starts walking out to put the suit on. Time to be brave. Sylvie's like, how much time do we have? And Loki's like, oh, he'll make it. Moby's like, oh, I don't know what the radiation levels are. Like, they're worse than when I went out. Doors open. He's, he's like carrying this big, you know, the big machine. Starts, gets ready to run. Takes like maybe five steps. Like turns into spaghetti. And it's like, wh what? I mean, you just see like strands of like and whatever. Sin. It's just, he's he's gone. Inside, they're like all in shock. Like, what happened? You know, where is he? He's dead? And Obi's like, the temporal radiation is just too high. B-15's like, what did we do wrong? And Case's like, I don't know. And Loki like turns, looks on, he whispers. He's like, I don't know. And then you see the loom, it like explodes. There's like a big shockwave, like just, and it starts, like, starts coming towards him. It's getting brighter. All they can do is just stand there and watch. It gets brighter and brighter. And then they finally have to like kind of close their eyes and look away a little bit. Then the screen fades to black. Silence. It's over. I was like, wait, there's still seven minutes left. Seven minutes of credits. I, I know there's usually like three, four, I mean, five. It's like, and it's great that, they, you know, there's so many people are getting credited, but it's also credits like around the world, different, I don't know. Uh, but see, this is, disagree all you want. This is the great thing about having the weekly shows because now we're left for well less than a week but now we're like wondering like what the heck is happening where what is going on they're all wiped out and, and you even like Renslayer you know you, you can't just kill Victor he's gone I, but so if, if it and and there was the, I even saw an articles like that cliffhanger what does that mean what what could be next you wouldn't have news articles like that editorial articles if the entire season was all dropped at once because then he's like, oh, you know, skip hit, well, you know, skip credits, watch next episode. There's no suspense. It, it just, it takes away from the, the fun and the excitement. And I know some people are going to be like, oh, I hate cliffhangers, whatever. But no, you hate cliffhangers because it's it's making you care. And, you know, you're left on the edge of your seat. And I think that's the great thing for a show to be able to do that. Because if, if you didn't care, then it'd be like, okay, whatever. You know, when's the next one? I'll watch at some point. So that's great. I, I have to imagine that somehow things are going to get reset because I really don't think they're going to kill Renslayer off like that. And, you know, with, with Victor Timely, you know, he was just a variant, but they'll probably, you know, we'll probably see. And, and you know, what was with the other Loki? I mean, I, I'm so confused by that, that he pruned himself. Like, what does that mean? So we have to wait a few more days as you listen to this. But that's, uh, that's pretty nuts. So I, I'm, I'm just really digging that. Okay. Then the movie feature is Five Nights at Freddy's. And um, so it's right now when I'm looking. I Actually, I should, maybe I should refresh the page. It's at a 24% for the critics, 89% audience. And, you know, that, that can still change um, by the time you look at it, you know, when, when I post this, this episode. But, um, I, yeah, I kind of, well, I don't know if I would say 89%, but it's not a 24%. And it's, it's just, it seems weird that... It would be so low. Um, the one thing that I, I do think is, is weird 
is that this was released in theaters and on Peacock at the same time. It's like, man, give it at least a week or two, you know, give it a buffer, you know, if, if not longer, let it try to make some money in the theaters and then, you know, show it to everyone you know, streaming. It's like, do you really, really, really have to put them both out at the same time? What I like about this is, so part of the, the cast involved you know, you have Josh Hutcherson, which I'm, I'm a fan of Josh Hutcherson because he wasn't he in, in Bridge of Terabithia? You know, he was in uh, Hunger Games. You know, he's PETA. I think he's a good actor. And I'm trying to think, like, what has he been in lately? Because I, I don't I feel like I haven't really seen him in much. But he, he was good in here. Uh, and we also have uh, Matthew Lillard, who I, I love. And, you know, Mary Stewart Masterson in this also. But Matthew Lillard, I mean, I, he's just great. And he seems like such a nice guy. You know, I got a chance. That, I, I'm sure I mentioned this. You know, I, I talked to him last summer. At San Diego Comic Con, you know, got to do a roundtable interview with him, and I just—he just seems like such a nice, cool guy, and um, so it was, it, was, it was nice to see him in this movie. Uh, the basic story is the premise. So Josh Hutcherson's uh, character, when he was a kid, his brother gets basically abducted, and he's—he's he's carrying with that guilt, and. Um, it looks like in the beginning, you know, he has a daughter, but it's because it's so he, how old is he? You know, whatever. But it's not. He's actually taking care of his sister. He, you know, he's he's haunted by this guilt and everything from his brother because you know he kind of kind of saw he saw the car like drive off with his brother, and he's he's kind of haunted by these dreams. You know, he's seeing the, you know the same image every night, but he's like he feels like he knows that he saw who took his brother, but you know he he can't get there. So he's having a hard time keeping a job, but it's like he needs a job so he can, you know, pay the rent or mortgage or whatever. And, you know, it turns out that an aunt of his is trying to get custody of the little girl. She just could care less. You know, he, he says to like doctors, like he, she just wants a, you know, the, the monthly paycheck or whatever. You know, he, he, she doesn't care about her. So the, the thing is, you know, he needs to have a job, but it's hard for him to, to keep one. And that leads him to getting a job at, at the pizza place where, you know, five nights at Freddy's, whatever is, is, is there. So there's some, I don't know how much I should say, but obviously what's going to happen eventually is, you know, the, the animatronic mascot things, whatever are alive. It's like, how is that possible? What, what does that mean? What's going on? And, uh, the evil aunt, you know, she throws some monkey wrench into things too. Cause you know, since, he needs a job there. You know, she's working with, you know, hiring some guy. I mean, so maybe they're going to cause some problems. And so you have a lot of that. And I, I feel like, you know, they, they do a decent job. I mean, it, it kind of starts off a little dark where it's like, uh, even though the guy being kind of like chased or whatever at the beginning, he, he whimpered a lot, which was, I, it was kind of annoying. I, I wasn't sure. Are you trying to be funny where he's like, woo, 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 you know, as he's like running away and, and stuff like that. It's like, no, don't do that. And it's like, yeah, I, I you know, I get if you're super scared, but it, yeah. Um, so overall, I mean, I think they, they did a great job with like the animation. I mean, I, I'm not like an, I'm not a five nights at Freddy's expert. I have played the game a little bit with, with the VR and, you know, I, I think scary game or games that are meant to be scary with VR suck. And by suck, I mean, they're, they're scarier. And then so, you know, when you're doing the VR, so it's, it's it is fun to, to you know, to, to do that if you have the chance. So, you know, because of that, I, I'm kind of, you know, I'm rooting for the movie. And, you know, a lot of people are like, like, oh, Willy's Wonderland did it better or whatever. It's like Willy's Wonderland is basically, wasn't that just like ripping this off in, in a sense? 
Um, which I did love that movie. You know, Nicolas Cage in it was 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 something. He was phenomenal in that. So this movie, I I feel like they do a decent job. You know, and the but the the character designs they all look what you would expect. You know, from what little I know about the game, and I it, you know it's it is a PG thirteen movie, so it does. So with that, there was there's a lot of young people. Which is weird because I went and saw it on a Thursday night. You know, go to the preview nights. Why are all these young people going to the movies on on a Thursday? It's like you have school the next day. I have school the next day, but it wasn't. I mean, there was a couple of people that I don't know where they were sitting. They weren't next to me, but there I could occasionally I could hear some talking during the movie. It's like, dude, you're not at home watching this. You can't just talk loudly or in normal voice. So that was a little annoying. But some people just don't get it. It's like other people have paid to see this movie too. They didn't pay to hear you talk. But uh, overall, you know, it, it was, it was a decent movie. It, you know, I don't know why it's so low and I haven't read any reviews to see why, why people are, are hating on it. But I just feel like sometimes, you know, this, this movie isn't going to be for everyone. And I don't know if making it R rated would have been better. If I don't think it really needs to be, more gory because you know there, there are some parts that are kind of kind of whatever graphic i mean there's not a whole lot i guess death it's not like a massacre and i don't think it's supposed to be and as far as like the vibe and stuff like that goes i, I mean I, I think it was fine and so it, it's just weird that people were just so negative on it and and i'm not really sure why because um, in, in the beginning, the first part, I mean, I was really like glued into it and I was really fascinated with like the backstory and, and seeing it all. But like, even before they got there, I was, I was just like, okay, you know, what, I, I was feeling for the guy, you know, he's, he's trying to protect his, you know, his sister, provide for her. And, you know, he's, you know, he, he'd be like the first to admit that, you know, he's a, a mess, fudge up, whatever, uh, you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, so I, I, I didn't enjoy it. And, um, as it kind of gets going, I don't know, like maybe like three fourths of the way. Mm, I don't know. I, I, it's almost like I'd have to like watch it again and really think about it. So there was, it was an in, some interesting choices were made with the story, like where it kind of went. And, uh, yeah, I'm not super sure how I, I feel about that, but I would say overall it was decent. So now, you know, the, the other question is, well, if it's on Peacock, I have Peacock. Should, should I watch it at home or should I go to theater? Obviously, I feel like you should go to the theater. You know, one, you should be supporting the, the cinema, and especially if you have a nice theater. I love my theater and I want it to continue to be in business. And, you know, I will go every single week if, if there's something to watch. And if, if, you know, I have the choice of watching it at home or on, on this big screen, obviously I want to see in the big screen with the, you know, really good sound system and all, all that. But I guess the, the downside is sometimes you do have talking kids that are in there, whatever. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would, it, it's not a movie that like absolutely needs to be on a big screen. Like, you know, the Taylor Swift movie, obviously you want to see it out on a big screen with a sound system. If it was like something, I'm trying to think what else have I seen recently, you know, any sort of like any movie with like space movies, CG movies, you know, you'd, you'd want to see that. Even Flowers of the Killer Moon, that was like a super long movie, but some of the, the environments, the sceneries, I mean, it is worth seeing on a big screen. It's just, it's unfortunate it was so long and at times it felt like it was really slow. So I would say, you know, 
Five Nights at Freddy doesn't need to be seen in a big screen, but it is nice to see that. You know, there are some cool designs and stuff like that that just make it more enjoyable. And again, you know, you I, I want to support the, the cinema, the theaters, and you know, make sure that they keep showing you know really good movies and maintaining their buildings and stuff like that. So that was Five Nights at Freddy. Uh, could there be a sequel? I mean, obviously, definitely, yeah, there, there could be. Uh, I'm, I, I, I'm, I don't know. I still, I still feel like I need to like process some of this, even though, you know, it's been a couple of days, but it's just like, uh, I, you know, I think I liked it for the most part. Uh, you know, I, th I think I would say it was, it was a decent movie, you know, is, um, some things just like a little weird, but it was good. So I, I think you should see it. Um, if you have Peacock and you're not, totally super gung-ho maybe watch it there or you know maybe start it on peacock and then decide like hey maybe i should go see this in theater or do both <laughs> I, I don't know but it, it's you know it was it was a decent movie and you know it's it's if it helps or not you know it was a uh, produced by jason blum so it's a blumhouse movie you know they, like not all their movies are fantastic but you know they have a pretty good track record so i would say you should see it and I would also, I also think you should say goodbye because <laughs> this is going to be the podcast for the week. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Um, currently talking about X-Men The Hidden Years from the year 2000, John Byrne, X-Men comics before Giant Size X-Men. So some, some cool moments there. Um, I'm probably going to do it. I, I, at some point, I'm going to do another comic topic. And then I got to figure out what am I going to do after this? You know, how long am I going to do Hidden Years? I don't know. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck. And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. And that's ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. What is next week? I believe I don't have my phone. My phone's charging somewhere. Um, so hopefully like nothing like breaking news or anything happened. Uh, the movie next week, I believe is the Marvels this week, I should say next episode. I'm super excited for it. I, I love Captain Marvel. I love uh, Ms. Marvel. Monica Rambeau. I'm, I'm intrigued with her. We'll see, you know, she was, she was good in, in WandaVision. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this movie, and I, I hope it does well. I hope it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I know people are wanting it to fail, which I do not understand why. I, you know, I want all these, I want more and more comic book movies. I don't know why anyone is, would, if you don't like them, don't watch them. You know, don't complain that there's too many or anything. You know, I, like one of my students was like, oh, there's too many Star Wars shows. I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, then don't watch them. It's like, why well, are you a Star Wars hater? Go do your homework. Um, yeah, so that's going to be the movie uh, feature. And then I, 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 I'm not going to necessarily rule out 30 coins. You know, I, I still would like to watch that. And, you know, maybe if I could do something brief. Um, I don't remember if anything is starting this week. I think it's the following week when is, is actually I'm trying to think maybe invincible. I don't know if, if, if that's a Friday thing, I might have to do like the week behind thing. I don't know. And I, I still haven't watched any more Gen V. Um, so I, I don't know when I'm going to get around to that, but hopefully I'll find time. 
at some point. But with that, I hope you are doing well. Um, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. Hope you're taking care of yourself. And I hope you remember, be good to each other. Thank you.